Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. The Horror Hangout, podcast where free bearded film fans watch the best and worst horror movies of all time. My name is Luke Condor with a Kate, and joined by my regular co-hosts, Mr. Mr. Ben Errington. Oh, he's in there. And oh, uh, Mr. Right in. Andy Conduit Turner. Hello, everybody. How are we doing? Yeah, Hello. Good. Good, good. Feeling pretty good about that five-star review we just got. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. What's right this here? Yeah, we've got a nice little five, five star stars. It's nice to get five stars, unless it's out of ten. Then what happens? <laughs> but but in I this think case, it's out... just out of five. So oh, that's um, good, that's good. Yeah, so, and uh, it's happy. Even when there's constructive stuff, I will respond to that if there's five stars. You put four stars in constructive. Oh, don't know. I feel I've I've lost a bit of motivation to change. But five stars. <laughs> I'll yeah. change. I'll do anything for you for five stars. Uh, so yeah, so a user on Apple Podcasts, um, LCO77. Yeah, you are LCO. You know who you are if you're listening. Uh, lovely five star review, extensive review as well, which is always good, you know, because sometimes you've only got a couple of words, you're a bit like, isn't it? Did they really enjoy it? Yeah, um, I won't read all of it out, but basically, the crux of it, it says the sign of a good podcast on films is one where you run out of episodes to listen to on films they've watched and probably move on to episodes that have no intention of seeing the films really entertaining stuff and props as first podcast of the horror variety for that matter to mention British children's TV legend, Dave Benson Phillips. I'm not sure exactly what episode that was. Every other one. Get your own own back has definitely come up. Zippy from rainbow came up in spiral. I think I feel that that's quite recent. Dave Benson Phillips. Dave Benson Phil, I think we'd have remembered it. Uh, but yeah, lovely five stars for that. Uh, and thanks very much for listening and taking the time to review the podcast as well. That's always good. Good for the old algorithms and for probably Dave Benson Phillips. Is, uh, he, he Googles his name at least 10 times an hour. So that's another little hit for him. You can add that to the list. Love you, Dave. Yeah. If you want to leave a review and we will read it out <laughs> live on the air. 
uh, go to iTunes or Podchaser or what the other ones? Podcast Addict, Podmania, Pod and Poddle, Poddle, Bubble, 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 <laughs> Pod Poddle, Bubble, Bubble, I don't know. Pod and me. <laughs> I don't know. Just Pod making them up me. now. Wherever Pod you get your podcasts from, if there's a review button, click on that. Five stars, unless it's out of ten, in which case ten, if you don't mind, you could. Um, leave us a little review for what you like. I know this week's um, reviewer said, not not complaining, but if we could sometimes uh, get to the horror stuff a bit quicker, he'd be he'd be happy. So we will. We're going to be efficient today. Are we doing yeah. that just because we feel pressured to do that, or are we just? No, no, really no, pressured. Uh, I feel I was, really pressured. I was going to do it. I was going to do it anyway. It's coincidental. It shows how in tune we are with the people. Um, We're very in tune with our audience at all times. Yeah. So uh, if you want us to be in tune with you, leave us a leave us a message, and unless what you want is unreasonable or illegal, we'll uh, we'll see what we can oh, do. Yeah. We'll always I give it a pressure. go. I feel the, it is like illegal. the turd of Damocles. Dangling above my head, ready to drop at any point. <laughs> you feel like you're going to get gunged, like Dave Benson Phillips would like to do to people on yeah. Get Your Own Back. What was the what was yeah. the concept of Get Your Own Back? Was it Get Your Own Back on like a family member who'd it done like you a wrong? Family it was like John Wick for children. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what? Well, it wasn't anything like sinister, was it? It was always like, it oh, was my really dad, sinister. My dad yeah. makes me punch, tidy punch my, my room. Feature in the face. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was like that. Yeah. It was never anything awful, <laughs> like, oh, I'm being abused. It was like, um, it was very much like, oh, I mean, my teacher sense. sets us homework, even on a Friday. Your teacher cares about your future, Jimmy from Somerset. Get over it. But get him um, in and get him gunged. Yeah, get him in and get him gunged. Or sometimes it'd be like, you know, my gross older brother makes me smell his farts or something awful like that. So you oh, get him. Yeah. And then you do a series my of. My dad's sleeping with the neighbour. <laughs> <laughs> my dad shouts the... too much. Yeah. <laughs> who was the presenter in that one? In Dave Benson back, Phillips. That's, that's a Dave Benson Phillips number. That's a Dave Benson Phillips special. Cool. Yeah. yeah and you gunge him if, uh, if you succeed. It's no fun house, but good show. I always horror wanted stuff. to get gunged. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. What, um, sorry, so, sorry. We will get onto horror stuff. What went into the gunge? What was the main what ingredient of gunge? I mean, teenage, I guess water. Teenagers. But... Toxic waste. <laughs> Toxic waste and teenage secretion. The amount, the amount of Ninja Turtles that create that were created by that TV show is unbelie- <laughs> unparalleled. Um, or yeah. ninja humans because that's how it works isn't it it just takes your DNA and just makes it ninja yeah <laughs> just ninjaizes you just ninjaizes you in ancient Japan that's how ninjas were actually formed you would hear some you know myth, mm. myths and legends about you know extensive training a, a complete life dedicated to, to following the arts of ninjutsu actually just gunge wasm in there pop out yeah, classic. It was like a factory process. Get them in, gun jump, get them out, get them out. out, and out doing ninja stuff. All right, yeah. get out there. And then one of your four main personality <laughs> traits would emerge either you're a leader, you do machines, you're cool but rude, or you're a party dude. No other personalities exist. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, I mean, true. I think I would, I always like Ra- Raphael, but I think I was, yeah, blinded oh, by the. You work, with, you work with computers, yeah. Luke. You're a Donatello. Just accept I'm it. I'm a Donatello. <laughs> That's true. What's your weapon? It's just a stick. Ah, best one in video games, though. Best range. That's good. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. yeah. 
horror stuff. So, <laughs> what's the news, Ben? Screenshots. Do you see that? I did. Tyus yes. Scalero, the one with the tiny lungs. She's playing a. Uh, uh, what's the face? What's the play? Uh, Redfield. Oh, uh, Red- from from Crawl. Yeah. I got you. So Resident yeah. Evil, welcome to Raccoon City. The first images from the new live action movie. Got Claire, uh, Redfield, Leon S. Kennedy, and also an image of like Lisa Trevor from the first game, well, the remake of the first game. Uh, first live action iteration of her as a as a creature slash villain. Uh, but yeah, it looks like they've gone very, very um, close to the games in terms of the design of the characters. May- I guess mainly for the men. The character playing Jill, the actress playing Jill, sorry, and the actress playing Claire. Yeah, they look like them, but they've seemed to have gone for Leon and Chris, almost identical costumes from the games, which is very cool. Um, but yeah, and they're doing super... they're doing one and two, Resident Evil one and two, as part of the one and two, like side by side, show, I yeah. guess, sort of like parallel. Yeah. So there's going to be Spencer Mansion and Raccoon City Police Station action. Yeah, so looking forward to it. We should be seeing some some kind of trailer soon, right? Because I think the games are supposed to be released. It's out in December, right? It's... Films, sorry. Yeah. Film released in December, November, December. Yeah. Q4. Um, yeah, and <laughs> with these things coming out, I imagine somewhere in LA there is an aspiring actress with um, with kind of a sexy vampire look who's thinking, right, in about six seasons' time, Now's my time to shine. Learn to learn to use stilts now. <laughs> learn to use stilts now. This is the movie, though, isn't it? This isn't the not TV the series because the series is the the OC one, right? Yeah, right, <laughs> the so. Riverdale one. But are they gonna they're gonna link together, right? Are they no, because the same... they've got different actors playing Albert West. Oh, right. Yeah, it's Bad Dad Bertie oh. Wesker in the first one <laughs> in the series. <laughs> and this one is the 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 um half man half ape man from umbrella academy playing albert wesker so very different wow. very very wow. different um takes on the character it looks like go. we're gonna get uh but yeah any any new resident evil content is lovely because yeah it's all right you know, can't, can't really go wrong well it can't go did wrong, you finish yeah. the did you finish the the netflix series ben yeah it was pretty short there was only a few episodes and they were like 30 minutes each so Bash them out, but yeah, not good, not good. Bit naff, bit lame. wasn't wasn't all that enamoured by it. Did you? Um, I've watched the first one, but I fell asleep <laughs> in the last few minutes, and then there we go. I didn't quite catch the end. So now I'm gonna have to go and technically restarting. It's a whole thing. It's gonna be difficult. And then the TV remote isn't responsive. Oh, oh no. Yeah, there's a the dog didn't like it at all. There's a zombie. The dog hated it. There's a zombie dog in with you now. <laughs> Turn this shit off. <laughs> yeah. So put my stories on. Sons and daughters. <laughs> Shortland Street. Um, yeah, he's not a fan. Wish uh, Wishbone. Classic. Wishbone classic. forever. Um, yeah, what else is in the what else is in the news? <laughs> so other news is the Fede Alvarez produced Texas Chainsaw Massacre. The new movie is gonna be on Netflix. So doesn't like it's getting a theatrical release. It's going straight to Netflix, which you know could be an inspired choice. Movies um tend to do really well when released on Netflix anyway. So when's that due? That'd be cool. Uh good question. I don't know. It was filmed last year. 
So it's already it's it, might its be, it might be on its right. way. Yeah, it might be in a, imminent. We've seen a poster mm. which is kind of looks a bit like the art in this in today's movie, Candyman. That is uh, just like a sort of painting of Leatherface's Leatherface. Uh, like a Francis Bacony looking painting, isn't it? Um, yeah, there, t- there seems to be a lot of arty horrors going on at the minute, um, which I mean, I quite enjoy the aesthetic of it, but um, that definitely seems to be of a, a current vibe, and especially in, in today's film, in Candyman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like it there. I think it. I think it works well. A hmm. um, couple of other bits of news: is Salem's Lot movie, Mackenzie Lee, Bill Camp, and Spencer Treat Clark join the cast of the new adaptation of. Salem's Lot. I did say Salem's Lot, didn't I? It yeah. did. Which one? Oh, that's I felt like three times now, I think. <laughs> if you say it two more times in a mirror. <laughs> yeah. Which one's so, playing uh, old Bluetoothy in that one? Which of those actors? Or isn't that hasn't been announced yet? Yeah, I don't think that. No. Well, the only the only name I recognise on that is Spencer Treat Clark, who plays Bruce Willis's son in Unbreakable. He's also in Glass. Uh, so he's got like quite a distinctive face i reckon if you vamped yeah. him up and gave him the old long spencer treat willis treat clark <laughs> he's like what what can my middle name be to get people really talking about me i'm gonna call myself treat uh so what's he to work with it's treat oh he's an absolute what is treat treat williams oh yeah of course well, everyone's it, a treat is it treat williams there's that guy called treat oh that guy <laughs> the unbreakable kid that the unbreakable kid, the one who's like, <laughs> bloody bench press even more. Let's hang a paint can on the end of each, <laughs> of each side of it, trying to kill his an, dad. An enabler. Um, <laughs> an enabler yeah. trying to kill his dad. Oh, I, I like him. I'm looking forward to it. The only problem I ever had with Salem's thought is, those teeth look a bit impractically long. Their layer of the white one levels of too long. I feel like... You know, you have to be careful when you're a kid. Well, you have to be careful. If you're, the rabbit has to be careful. If you have a rabbit or other, like, or rodent pet, you've got to give them something to chew. Otherwise, the vets tell you their teeth will grow too long and curl up into their brain. Uh, yeah, that's his alley. Oh, I feel, <laughs> curl up I, into their brain. Yeah. It sounds like you make it sound like it's overnight. They've got to constantly be chewing. <laughs> it feels like that's what's happening to that vampire. He's not been chewing enough. Yeah, yeah what's his but, name? Bard. Barden, Barden, Billy Barden, but um, oh, oh long yeah. tooth, okay, long tooth, yeah. That that's that. The only other piece of news is, um, in regards to today's film, uh, Candyman director uh, Naya Da Costa has made history by becoming the first black woman to have a film open at number one on the North American box office chart, which obviously is an amazing achievement. So I thought I'd bring that to the attention. I think Candyman's made like twenty-two million dollars. In its first weekend in US cinemas, not sure about uh, UK or Europe, but yeah, loads of good things happening for the horror. I mean, it's just a, a great thing for the horror genre as well. Um, I think about how many mm. records have sort of been broken like that um, with Jordan Peele's Monkey Paw Productions as well, putting horror sort of in the limelight in terms of the awards ceremonies as well. So, all really exciting yeah. stuff for they the horror. Would- they were leaning hard into the just uh, Jordan Peele aspect of this, though, weren't they? In all the, in all the uh, marketing, they're saying, oh, it's Jordan Peele's latest to, film. Yeah, to um, the point where I saw, lot, because, I saw a lot of people because, saying Jordan Peele's Candyman. It's like, I mean, it's, it is yeah. kind of frustrating, but it's also his name has obviously become quite a big 
thing for films to be attached to now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I totally get it. He's a he's a a big name in the in the genre and you would definitely use that to get people into the film because I feel like even a casual audience member at this point will have a good idea of who Jordan Peele is. Um but you want to make sure it doesn't take away from say Nida Costa who's actually directed this movie because as we'll cover there are some hmm. there's some really phenomenal work in it and it's great to see some recognition you know horror movie of any type hitting number one in the box office outside of Halloween week is is a fantastic achievement and then actually to see long overlooked like you know creators in terms of like demographics and you know representative of different communities and so on actually getting you know not just a star in these movies or be a part of it but actually making the creative decisions um does Nida Costa is she writer director or or is she only co-written and someone else so but I mean I think it's great because, you know, the studio could have easily gone. Jordan Peele's a huge, like almost a household name at the moment. Um, we're rebooting. Um, I know it's a sequel, but, you know, we're rebooting a franchise, major horror franchise. Let's attach him to it. So, I mean, it's a good shout that they've given it to somebody um, who I guess I guess is relatively unknown. I know she's made a few a few movies. She made only one of her feature credit for a movie called Little Woods. So, yeah. But that's great. Um, and I don't get the feeling of this, that this is like a poltergeist Hooper Spielberg thing where, you know, Jordan Peele just happened to be on set standing near the director's chair. He definitely didn't direct it. I don't get that feeling at all. I think there is a very different feeling from this movie. It, it doesn't feel like it has the same hand in direction as you have from Jordan Peele's movie. It does feel very uniquely um, Nita Costa's film. So, um, yeah. And we've got two major players now, two major players in terms of directors of colour who are like on the, on the scene now. So who knows what that's going to mean for the future of, of the genre as well. I mean, I'm excited. I'm excited for it. I'm excited for Nope, mainly because of the name. There was, even a, there was even a moment where a character said the word Nope in this movie and it made me think of that film. And I was like, yeah, even though I know nothing about it, looking Just forward that to that too. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And I'd, I'm... I love to see these different takes as well, because bearing in mind, we sometimes talk about the number of movies we've, you guys mostly, um, me more recently, like we're approaching 200 here, um, episodes and like 200 movies or thereabouts that you guys are covered. And yet <laughs> I'm still surprised at how many times we'll be looking, we'll be chatting about something and be like, oh God, we haven't done that yet. Or... We've done very few sequels, which is a huge thing in horror, right? There are series that run to 10 beyond numbers. And we've done we've done so few sequels as well. Like this is an in a huge, huge genre of movies. And you know, it, it could be said that you do see some tropes and you know similar voices and similar experiences come up time and time again so it is really great when you actually get a really unique take on something or very different take on something and sometimes we get the hit of that by looking at films that are produced outside of the US particularly you know on a small level when you look at US versus European cinema more pronounced when you look at some films that come out of um, you know sort of 
from from Asia and so on. But it's really nice even to see in US produced movies a little bit more diversity in the experiences and the voices that come through because it just means you've got more interesting films to watch. And you know, everyone's gonna have their favorites, but what a great yeah. time. Yeah, definitely a great time. And also in terms of the, the original Candyman, which is directed by Bernard Rose, um, that story and then this story is a film essentially about black trauma. So to have the film be, be through the eyes of a black filmmaker as well, I think is very important, very important. And I think something that I really took away from this, uh, this view and this film as well. So plenty to discuss, yeah. Yeah. I guess. I think, Sorry, Ben, you finish. I mean, I was literally going to move on from that, but you carry on if you've got something Yeah, just to, to, just to finish that, I think I saw on, <laughs> I'm not sure it was Facebook or Twitter this one, and I don't have the, the name to, to credit it, but someone was like, someone was saying that he was talking to his sister, having seen Candyman, the original many years ago, and saying like, oh, so Candyman is, you know, he's a character, the character of the Candyman. In the past, he was basically brutally murdered he was a black man who was murdered by a group of uh, of white of white people who tortured and murdered him and then he came back as a ghost and then he kills other black people in you know in a, in a predominantly black community in the 1980s and his sister's like yeah and said oh why well why is that the case is it all oh, because the, the the book that it was based on and the film was written by written by a white guy and you know like it's done it's done light-hearted but then you do think yeah maybe there is a thing and I think this film we'll talk about it does a lot to tie in what is a reasonably disparate series between Candyman's one and three Candymen the Candyman's um yeah it, it does a lot to tie all of those disparate parts of the franchise to get together and then give it a a point of view that feels more authentic to the the community it represents mm. and that are primarily involved in the story mm. yeah yeah uh and has anybody seen anything else this week that's worth mentioning well um <laughs> so you know how i feel how i felt about riverdale and it was something i brought brought up many times in the past like it, there was a tone to riverdale that i just didn't like me um and my fiance decided to We'll take it turn, taking turns. I'll pick a TV show, we'll watch that together, and then she'll pick a TV show and watch that together. Um, and her choice was Riverdale, she really likes it. And we watched it all five seasons of it. Um, and I, I will tell you, it's not as bad as I thought it was. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's actually, I mean, it's not, it's, it's quite inert, like it's quite it's harmless, <laughs> like it's not gonna change your life or anything, but it and it is quite compelling. Um, in the way that TV shows are, like they know exactly how to lure you in and hook you to to watch another episode. Um, and there's loads of like little horror movie references. There's there's like David Lynch references all the way through, uh, which are always quite fun. And there's a surprising amount of like serial killers in this small town. Like every <laughs> every season, there's a new serial killer doing dodgy stuff. And there's like there's like loads of nods to um, uh, like slasher films and um it, x files at, at times there's aliens in there it, it's absolutely it's it's redonkulous it's a redonkulous series um but it's um it's quite fun it's what i what i would say is for ages i was i was i kept saying 
you know, I hate TV shows that are over eight se- eight episodes per season because I always felt there's just so much filler. But I will say it's been quite nice to just every time about six o'clock we're eating dinner and we just shove Riverdale on and we just hang out and it doesn't matter if we're taking everything in, if that makes sense. We're just sort of chilling out together watching this TV show and it became like a nice hangout routine thing that we did. So it was quite nice having that that familiarity every you've single changed, day. For... You've changed your, changed your viewpoint on like two, so Luke, two things there. What, yeah. uh, what yeah, is exactly, yours yeah. and Cat's Riverdale podcast going to be called? It's got to be something hangout. You mentioned the word hangout like at least four times then. Riverdale hangout. Riverdale <laughs> hangout. Come on, what else is there to... <laughs> what else is there going to be? I, I, should... I, I give it a solid... B B minus. B minus. B minus. I'm I'm showing my ignorance of the the source material. Riverdale is Archie comics, right? Effectively. So is is Archie in it himself? Is Archie a character that's in it? He's like the main. And Betty and Veronica in it. Have have they met the Predator? Have they met the Punisher? The the main Archie crossovers I'm aware of. Archie meets the Predator. (laughs) Archie versus the Punisher. It is weird. I feel like. They've gone. Okay, we want to do uh, modern day, modern day Riverdale, but the thing, the uh, modern day Archie comics. Sorry, but the the thing that sells really well for Archie comics are these darker takes on those characters. So it's almost like they've gone. Let's do Archie's show, but take inspiration and the vibes from um, Afterlife of Archie, whatever the other one. There's like Archie meets Kiss for some reason. That's one comic book crossover. There's like all these kind of crazy kind of, and there's like the the Sabrina TV show, the which Sabrina is all set stuff. in the same universe as well, which is quite peculiar. Have you watched Sabrina? Is that next on your list? Because I know you were we, choosing the next thing, right, Luke? What's your choice? Have you made it yet? Uh, Doom Patrol, because I'm such a big fan of oh, the, yeah. the graphic oh, novels for the comic book series. Yeah. And is that a rewatch for you, or is it you're going to sit down and watch it for the first time together? First time watching it. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm such a big fan of the comic book series that that might. Then again, this is probably how this is always going to go. I'll go into them thinking, I'm not going to like this, and then come out thinking, B minus. Now, Doom Patrol, again, keep me honest for not being up on my stuff. Doom Patrol, is it a Grant Morrison creation, or is it that no, they just have no. the iconic <laughs> series of Doom Patrol? Yeah, so uh, Doom Patrol, there was like, there was a whole era of them, and they were pretty much just X-Men style comics back in the day. Uh, and then Grant Morrison did their run on it, added like, you know, Grant Morrison level mind fuckery um, and fun. And it's so silly, but like it's really witty, really insane. Um, and I'm hoping the TV show captures some of that. It's got Brendan Fraser in it as well. Oh, what's not to love? Yeah. The biggest yeah. heart in Hollywood. What a guy. Yeah. He's also got like the biggest chin in Hollywood now as well. Yeah. You've seen that? <laughs> yeah. It's got... Oh, that sounds good. Yeah, yeah. How about you, Ben? Any you uh, watching? Uh, so I saw The Green Knight, a movie oh, that kind of movie that I've kind of been hyped for for quite a while. Uh, and it really, really lived up to the hype for me. I mean, I haven't oh. written a word. I haven't written a word <laughs> about it yet. I've because I've just been like digesting it and watching videos, which are like you know, breaking down the themes of the Green Knight and what did this mean and what did that mean? And I'm still no closer to knowing really what everything meant. But um, it really is amazing. Like visually, it it, you know, it reminds me of so many things. It reminds me of like 80s fantasy. 
but it's like a mm. Arthurian legend. If I probably meant, um, yeah. But it's just like visually, there was bits where I was like, it reminds me of Legend with uh, obviously like Tom mm. Cruise from the eighties, like never ending story, just like weird bits like that. But it's, a, it's definitely an adult movie. It's not like a kids movie at all. I can't um, wait to see it. Like I'm def- just so disappointed def- that we got our cinema release knocked back over here. Mm. Yeah, I mean the cat, the cast are outstanding. Um, especially like Sean Harris is just listed as King here, but I think he's supposed to be King Arthur. Um, so very A24 in terms of um, sort of like visually and, you know, you you know when you're watching an A24 movie, don't you? You really do know. Um, Quite slow normally. <laughs> well, oh, let's yeah, say paced, paced. <laughs> yeah, but there's something, something about this. All I kept thinking was I'd love to play an open world game with the Green Knight. Because mm. I feel like it's a world that I just love to like lose myself in because it's just like a a very strange sort of fantasy adventure where you're like you don't know what elements are fantasy and what elements are real, but it's amazing. I'm I'm kind right. of I, I need to write something about it because I haven't written a word about it yet. I don't think I've even the, officially rated it on Letterboxd. Is the Green Knight uh Jeff uh is it Mon Jeffrey of Monmouth? Is that the guy's name? Is there's something a he wrote, right? S- yeah, so it's a poem, isn't it? It's based on a it's based on a poem. So it's, it's about epic Sir, poem, Sir, isn't it? It's about Sir Gawain, um, who is in this is it, I think it's supposed to be Arf, King Arthur. I think it is Arthurian nephew. legend. Arthurian sure, legend. Monmouth like, claimed all this was real at one point, right? Like yeah. he this is supposed to be like a real history thing, and he just made yeah. a load of load of bullshit up. It's very it's very tri- it is very trippy, but it kind of it's like it's it's so hard to for me to describe i would need to kind of get my thoughts together for it but um oh and R- ralph is it Ineson as well um from the witch and obviously finchie in the office with the deepest booming voice oh, yeah yeah he yeah. voices he voices a character in it and it's just like it just adds to this sort of mystery and right. it was great i can't, I can't great. wait to see it i was i was kind of like i was kind of blown away by like how much i enjoyed it and the fact that it reminded me of some of my favorite movies from my childhood without being a movie like that at all something mm. about it just the vibe of it just reminded me of those because films like legend now when i watched them but when i watched them as a kid they were just so weird and i didn't know what was around the corner and i felt like i was actually in a strange taking yeah. on this journey into a strange world and i just felt like that with the green knight i felt like i didn't know what was coming next and uh mm. yeah it was good i think it's probably one of the films i'm anticipating seeing the most but i'm just really keen at the moment i know that the uk cinema release got bumped and it was one of those that just disappeared and we just didn't get a new one right it's just oh it isn't coming out on friday after all um and yeah. we haven't announced a new one yet so i hope we get one and then i feel like based on your reaction ben i feel like this is one that you splash for the imax on if there's an imax release yeah I, I, there's definitely going to be a number of shots which would be great to see on imax um, at the moment, might be my film of the year, but I've not committed mm. 100% yet until, you know, there's still stuff to come Four out months to year, go. Four months to go. Um, and director David Lowry as well, who um, made a ghost story, which I really didn't like. I really didn't like a ghost story, but this is like nothing like that at all. I don't know if you guys saw a ghost story, Casey Affleck. I want Rooney to. Mara. I was thinking I'd quite like it, but... Maybe not. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I didn't like it. I thought it was there was something that. I mean, that was. I don't even know if it was an A twenty four movie, but that felt like, <laughs> felt like a, a an A twenty four movie, definitely. 
it was weird. I felt something just didn't sit right with me. It definitely felt like a style over over substance sort of movie, which yeah, yeah, yeah. which was kind of frustrating. Um, but yeah, there's that, and the only other thing I saw was oh, I watched Mary Shelley's Frankenstein last night, the 1994 Kenneth Branagh. Um, Kenneth Branagh directed version. I mean, it's kind of hilarious. <laughs> it's kind of hilarious. There's so much about it. I was like, I've definitely seen it before, but it's very over the top, very over dramatic. Yeah. And Robert De Niro as um, Frankenstein's monster, or just listed as the creature here. There's some, <laughs> there's definitely some parts of his performance which are kind of funny. Um, but yeah, it's all right. It's not too bad. I mean, the reason I, I, I watched it was because I went to um, the House of Frankenstein in Bath. Um, which is recently opened. Um, it's basically like a tribute to Mary Shelley and her life and um, about the impact of, of the char- her characters on popular culture. And it was great. It's like got six floors of just like amazing stuff. And there's like a basement you go in, which is kind of like a sort of horror experience where there's like an actress down there just wandering about trying to scare you. Uh, but yeah, the it, pictures it look really great. Cool. It looked, it looked fantastic. Yeah, Very they've got like moved. they've got like a Frankenstein's monster, like made out of um, sort of like animatronic. But he doesn't move very much. His chest sort of goes up and down, and his eyes move. But yeah, it it, it was good. It's only it's only just open. I don't know if it's open forever now. Don't know if it's gonna leave eventually. It's kind of like just next door to the. There's like a Jane Austen place as well, like museum. Okay. Um, so it's very it Shelley's great. birthday. Yeah, it was good. It was good. So I thought we'd go back and watch that because we watched the 1910 Frankenstein, which is 14 minutes long in the actual museum. They played it and we watched the whole thing. B minus? Solid B minus. <laughs> I think solid B minus. <laughs> I mean, it's a great sequence where like the monster comes to life and basically it looks like they've got a model of Frankenstein and they've just like melted it, but then basically they play it in reverse. So it looks like a whole oh, load of mush okay. just yeah. forms this body. Um, so that was cool, but yeah, fourteen minutes. I mean, make it make of that what you will, but yeah, definitely very interesting to see. Cool. Uh, but that is, I think that's pretty much it in terms of what else in terms of what I watched this week. Right, Are you Andy. I have watched very little. I've been away this weekend, um, so I've only really watched the film of the week. But I have between a podcast and a book that um, got off the back of a Kickstarter campaign recently. It's horror adjacent and it's about to kick me back into revisiting one of my favourite, and I will argue this is sci-fi and horror games of all time. I'm a bit older than you, so maybe you two have never played it, but I will cover it for you. So the book is called Monsters in the Dark. It is by a... um, it's like a video game primarily author by, by the name of David A. Craddock. And he is primarily interviewing, um, I would say, fairly famous and like one of these author video game creators, a chap by the name of Julian Gollop about um, his XCOM series. Um, some you guys might have played the, the, Phyrax- the Phyraxis remake of XCOM that came out, which is very good, but it has inspired me to go back to the original, one of my favourite strategy games of all time, UFO Enemy Unknown. Um, I think it was just called XCOM Enemy Unknown in the US. Um, it's like a turn-based when was, when strategy game. One? Oh, 92, 92, 93. Wow. Interesting. It is 
phenomenal. And listening to this, I'm listening to an interview with with David A. Craddock, so the author of the book. Um, there's a special that's from earlier this year or maybe even late last year on the Kane and Rince video game podcast. Really super, like, in deep depth discussions on video games on there. And this is a special episode of it with an interview with him. Yeah. Um, and just the passion that comes from the creating this game. It just reminded me of the atmosphere and the horror you get in what is based on the age quite a lo-fi kind of game now like it will run on a machine that plays steam ludicrously fast it'll i think you can play it on modern machines but it's um, no challenge for modern hardware at all but it is such an intense game and i remember distinctly the dread and the horror of playing this this game where you run around with your with your little squad of soldiers and you're doing like hunts and these missions against aliens and it's like got the fog of war and the and the darkness that you try and navigate through it's brutally hard an error in the game back in the old days when it was invented meant that whatever difficulty you selected you were always playing on the hardest difficulty and it was oh, a notoriously difficult <laughs> game and it's terrifying and there are bits when you know, the aliens are getting you guys and your soldiers have morale and they have fear stats and they panic and start like going berserk and shooting at random or just dropping their weapons and running and they can get possessed or turn to zombies. It's crazy. Excuse me while I'll let one of these dogs out. But yes, <laughs> not to break the tension. I thought that was just game. Added, added sound effects while you were telling yeah. us about that game. There's like a growl going on. Yeah. Maybe, just, well, I thought maybe it was... Maybe it's your belly as well. One of the aliens <laughs> creeping up on me. But um, yeah, did you, either of you guys ever play that? No. No, no, of course oh, I did. I would recommend it to you and anyone listening. Like, it'll be, it's pretty much always in a Steam sale. Um, it doesn't matter if you haven't got a gaming laptop, it will run on anything that can run Windows these days. Like, um, it can be a little bit intense to get into because it doesn't really give you any kind of tutorial. It just throws you in it. And then the intention is that you will fail to begin with, but you're, you're managing your base, you're intercepting alien craft. You're doing these little missions on the ground to hunt aliens down. You have to research and do like their autopsies and research new weapons because otherwise you will get outclassed really quickly. Um, you can, and this is where you get the emotional investment. So you have your soldiers that you can hire and you can name them and you can name them after your family and school friends and then get incredibly traumatized when they get shot oh to death. Um, yeah, it's, uh, I've got the, I've got the, um, I think XCOM 2. Is that like the very, very latest one? Yes. On the PlayStation. And they're I've, great. I've they're that. great. I'm it's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, they're fantastic. You have to invest a bit of time in these strategy games. And for anyone who like age graphics will put you off, the new ones by Firaxis, either one or two, are great games. Um, but the original, something else. I'm going to, having started reading this book and listened to this interview, I think I'm going to go back and play it. So sorry, hundreds of hours of new games I've not touched. I'm playing one that I played 20 years ago. Yeah, yeah. I will check that, that out, and I think I will definitely download the uh, the new one. Give that a go at the yeah. very least. Yeah, it's great. Other than that, just the Candyman. Just the bloody Candyman. Yeah. He's back. He's back. So, 
Candyman is a 2021 supernatural slasher horror film directed by Nia DaCosta and written by Jordan Peele and Nia DaCosta. Win Rosenfeld. Um, the film is a direct sequel to the 1992 film of the same name and the fourth film in the Candyman film series based on the short story The Forbidden by Clive Barker. Um, Barker. Brief synopsis. Bloody Clive. Uh, a sequel to the horror film Candyman that returns to the now gentrified Chicago neighborhood where the legend began. I mean, that's not a very good synopsis. Um, but basically, Candyman comes back again. <laughs> he's, at, he's at it again. Yep. He's at it again. So the ratings and reviews are quite interesting for this one so far. IMDb has it at 6.4 <laughs> out of 10. Rotten Tomatoes, critics have it at 85%. By the way, we're a little early on, so I think the, the critics' review might go up and down. I'm not too sure. Yeah, not quite um, settled yet. Yeah, uh, 74%. Uh, user rated score letterbox has it at 3.5 couple of choice reviews here uh st bevel said christina aguilera's Candyman does not feature five stars so if it did feature we would have knocked it down a peg um davis put two political five stars so i don't <laughs> i don't quite know what what their rating system is there um, what else we got here? Lols put too many tension for my poor heart. One point extra for designer of the house. Geez, half a star. Um, and we've got Carl <laughs> K. He put, if I wanted to be repeatedly punched in the face by someone yelling Black Lives Matter, I would have asked half a star. So I think we know what camp Carl K. sits in. Um, <laughs> He loves but getting I mean, punched in the face. This is, this is like a, <laughs> sounds like <it>. <laughs> this is like a politically charged film, I would say. Yeah. Um, I mean, what's the general vibe? I know, I, I think you guys are Candyman fans, but maybe I don't know. I don't, what did you give it last time, Ben? I can't remember. Was it was it a B minus? I'm I'm quite loop, I am quite lukewarm on I'm quite Ben warm on the uh, <laughs> on the. <laughs> On the movie Candyman, like it never, it wasn't a film that I kind of, I mean, I I knew it when I was a kid, but I, I can't remember if I saw it as a kid. I'm pretty sure I saw it as a kid. It's never one of those movies that sort of stuck with me. I know, Luke, you, you feel differently. Yeah. But when I watched, when I rewatched it for the podcast, I was a bit lukewarm on it, you know. And I quite, I kind of like what has happened with this one where they've given it, I don't know, it feels like they've given it a reason to exist in 2021. And a good and a, and, a, and a good story to tell and a good message as well. Um, I don't know how I feel about people saying it's, it's politically charged because I almost feel like, well, something that makes horror work really well is real life horror being included in the narrative of that. I think that's why what made other films that Jordan Peele's been involved in, especially like Get Out, feel more real because they're involved in real life horrors. Um, and, you know, same things are politically politically charged it's like well politics is everywhere you know politics is everything and especially um in terms of when you're talking about horror movies i feel like um for me for mm. me personally anyway i feel like having real life horrors in something like this makes it feel more succinct to me but yeah i i, I don't even remember seeing two and three i don't know if i have seen two and three so does it veto yeah. does it veto two and three I don't I think, know them well enough to guess. Yeah. 
I think number two isn't even in Cabri. I don't know about number three. I don't think number two is in Cabri Green. I think it's like some Southern Gothic sort of story. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I am a big fan of Candyman, uh, the original. I really enjoy the tone of Candyman. You know what's weird, actually? Um, I was like, where's the Candyman music? And it comes in right at the end of this. Yeah. And I was like, hang on, isn't this a Silent Hill music? And I went, oh, <laughs> they're very similar, the Silent Hill music and the Candyman music. Yeah. And then the rest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I I thought it was cool. I um, I, I feel like it, I mean, it's, it's, it improves Candyman in some ways. But I also do, I have, do have reservations. I do feel like it, it kind of misses some of the enjoyment of the first Candyman or some of the allure that I get into when I watch the first Candyman anyway. Um, there's, so there's some, there's part of me that's been held back a little bit. Um, but yeah, what about you, Andy? I wasn't with you guys when you <laughs> first did Candyman. I can tell you that um, as a kid, I don't think I watched Candyman until I was a little older, certainly older than, than I was when I watched some of the others. Because I think growing up at the time, Candyman was one of those things that, and I don't think it's possible for it to exist in the same way anymore, because I think kids now are a lot more media savvy and you have the internet and things like that. When I was a kid, I know that my friend's dad had a copy of it on VHS, and I remember seeing it at his house. But at the same time, it felt like Candyman was also one of those things that was also a little bit real. You know what I mean? It was like, yeah. it was a scary thing. And the, the same way, and it features in the narrative of the story here, um, of, of the movies, like there is this urban legend element to it. And I knew the Candyman as an urban legend almost more so in my whatever year old mind. Yeah. Then, then I did of it just, oh, this is a movie that that I've not seen. Like that that bit and like the the stories that came behind it and the ones that you would retell in the playground. There's always a kid with um, you know, terrible parents who who has seen it who will retell it to you. And it's like through a you know, the through the story of someone that's in the queue while you're waiting for you to go in for your dinner that's retelling the this terrible story. Remember him, James Broad, his name was. Remember he is today. He told us all about the plot of like all the Freddy movies he'd seen and the Candyman. And it's it's one of those things that has this like legendary appeal to it. So I think when I finally did see it, maybe it couldn't live up to the fear that you've that you've generated from it. Yeah. What I will give credit to this film for, and I'll probably take things from from what both of you have said, comments that it is too political and things like that like we live in a more and more politically charged world than ever um, and we we already spoke about the opportunity for other perspectives in filmmaking and I think this is a, a prime example of what that is by its nature there are segments of the audience who do not like that perspective or find it confronting who will say oh it's too political or whatever if something's <laughs> confronting that is the for me, at very least, that is the nature of a horror film. It should challenge you in some way. Um, and it, covering the experiences of, you know, people of those communities um, and, and, you know, generally just different perspectives, I think there are some great things to have here. And it and it's confronting from, from different perspectives, whether it's something you relate to or something that you can see the other side of or something that is 
more unfamiliar to you i think that it's there are some things to provoke some thought in that I mean, the, the, the origin of the character sorry andy the origin of the character hasn't changed it's not like yeah. we've gone in we've gone into the past of the character completely changed it spun it on its head and gone right here we're going to present a different story yeah. of a different origin of the character the that still, that still exists the same. yeah it andy still Norman. exists i think it's now just Andyman. it's yeah. now just more i guess it's more directed and the the, the things it's asking you to think about are more directly put into it. It's more, it's more confronting for want of a, hmm. of a different term to express that. It, it, you're actively saying that these are the injustices that have existed in society and these are the cycles of violence that these communities have experienced. And, you know, for some it will be uncomfortable. For some they will feel it's a political message. For me, I think it adds to the the overall strength of the film and I think it it's these kind of messages and these kind of discussions that you can have off the back of it that allow which are challenging that narrative of horror movies being throwaway trash that shouldn't be considered for awards and shouldn't be considered as serious pieces of cinema like other genres are I think having those conversations are the reason that horror can be considered and I'm never one for the argument of, well, this is an elevated horror. It isn't that case. It's just that now there is a more nuanced discussion around the themes that you're presenting in your horror movies. Um, but yeah, on, on the other side of things, from a technical narrative and um, you know delivery of a film point of view, I think it does some nice work to tie together. And I have no solid memories of Candyman two and three to see if anything is pulled in here but yeah. it does a nice job for me of kind of bringing things forward tying it to the old versions of the film and maybe where perhaps some threads of that narrative were lost in two and three bringing it to form a cohesive link between then and now I think it does a nice job of doing that I there really are things, did like, yeah. like the connection. Sorry, Andy, I keep interrupting you. I That's okay. I keep here for a moment. <laughs> these are the these are the perils of Zoom calls, right? One of these days we'll record all this in in the same room. We won't have these wonderful trips, but it's so hard on Zoom. I'll just hold my finger up to your lips when <laughs> I want to talk. No, but yeah, sorry, I've gone on a gone on a tirade on that one. Just after we've celebrated being a real off the wall podcast, and actually the most oh, yeah. serious I've spoken about a film Dude, since honestly. Leprechaun. But so really, uh, really good some really good points and some stuff that I was really trying, I was diff having difficulty trying to bring to the table, but you've voiced some of my, some of my faults. Uh, so I'll, I'll just, I'll just log off. <laughs> <laughs> no, like, I think there's lots to, there's lots to cover on the, on, on this one. I, but. I really enjoyed the, I think in terms of linking it to the first movie, I think it did really well. Expanding on the sort of the, the mythos of Candyman, um, in, in, enhancing the narrative i think it did um as a film itself there is it's got some visually i think it's really great i got some like giallo vibes especially during mm -hmm. a certain scene um and yeah like rt horror i guess we're kind of calling it that rt horror i think the soundtrack was great maybe the final act slash finale felt a bit rushed for me like the climax of the movie i was a bit like oh god is this the end like yeah. even though it's yeah. like I, I know it was like 90 minutes but i was like is this the end is this what we're happening what was happening i kind of didn't feel like anthony mccoy's arc as a character 
quite I've... got somewhere that I felt was 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 sort of saying something. We'll, yeah, we'll come to it. I feel I feel Anthony McCoy loses a lot of agency at some point in the film, and it and it happens like the flick of a switch. He kind of goes from a I'm involved in this to I am a passive. A ve- yeah, I'm a vehicle in this. Yeah. I'm a prop in the end of this film. And a moment that should have been incredibly shocking. I was just confused. Like I couldn't work out what had happened, what was going to happen. Yeah. A moment that felt like it could have had a lot more weight felt like a bit of an afterthought for me. But yeah, mm-hmm. I guess we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll chat. About and that. yeah, there are some characters. I think some of the characters <laughs> that we meet as well are incredibly fleshed out, incredibly nuanced and incredibly well done. Others are a little bit two dimensional. You could argue that that is the, you know, that is a that is a thing we can celebrate in in horror in a lot of places. Look at some of my favorite movies, like the people that get slashed off in a Friday the Thirteenth movie. You know yeah. their their personality is the haircut they have or the accessory they have. This guy has a yo yo. This guy likes having a party. Like, but yeah, I yeah. feel I feel in a film <laughs> in a film like this that have that has more things to say about it and there it has more commentary about it than things that you would overlook in a stupider you know popcorn horror film they themselves feel a little bit jarring and we come to this character fairly quickly on so I'll mention him at the beginning like the art dealer like one of our first victims that we see oh, yeah from a writing perspective, he is just a dickhead. Like there isn't any, there isn't that much nuance about him. I feel his exploitation of the, you know, our artist's background and everything. It's very, very transparent. Um, could it have been done a little differently? I don't know. But like when you first get the note of this one, oh, okay, this guy's an irredeemable dickhead. He's the person we want to get killed first. Um, you know, in a stupider movie, it doesn't matter. In a movie that's got more to say like this, maybe you maybe just want that little bit more depth to yeah. those characters. But... And a bit of a cliche of an art critic as well, in terms of a character. Yeah. Just kind of like stern-nosed bitch. Yeah. Uh, if, like if Gillian Anderson had been available for that role, that would be the job that you would that you'd give her, right? In a in a scully days. But like um yeah, but you know, we'll 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 come to all these as we go through. I guess we should say, just in case people have just tuned in because it is a new film and this is what they're thinking about right now. We the spoilers. We go, yeah, we go, we go full spoilers. If you haven't spoilers. watched it yet and you want to and you care about spoilers, go and watch it and come back. Do come back though. Maybe also, the download yeah. the download already counts. We've got your number, but, <laughs> but you know, do come back and join us for the rest. Absolute great use of like. Um, storytelling in terms of flashback with the shadow puppets as well rather mm. than you know i think that was, i think that was good i mean like people kind of like telling stories i find a bit but i didn't know how else they could have done that because this legend needs to be understood it kind of would have made sense if the main characters knew about it already but i guess the reason anthony mccoy doesn't know about it is because he's been kind of like hidden from it shrouded yeah, from, it. from it yeah hmm. yeah and it's a so, nice, it's a nice visual touch, and we get, you know, for me, not the horror vibes they were looking for. But when I hear that song about the Candyman, of course, I think about Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. So who can take a sunrise, sprinkle it with dew? Candyman can. <laughs> um, yeah, man. You know, at the very, 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 very start of this film, we were in the cinema, 
um and then the like the universal logo came up and it was backwards and we were like oh yeah shit, someone's fucked up true i was <laughs> someone's yeah. gonna get get fired oh and then the film started the i was like looking at all the little words thinking oh no they're, they're the right way around yeah. i didn't it didn't click with me what they were trying to do until like 20 minutes after i got home oh because it's, it's a mirror it's in the mirror yeah <laughs> I was like, I was so out of tune. Oh, all for all of us. I were. understand. I still didn't get it until this very moment. I was just I, like, but I'm glad. I'm glad you didn't because we we didn't. Like all three of us who went to watch film together, were like, what was that all about? No idea. Uh, but like, I mean, maybe that was a misstep on on whoever decided to put that in because it was a little bit too obtuse. Yeah, the, I mean, that's 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 a that's a flaw in my experience. I've never been to the mirror dimension. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then my very, very favorite part of the film is right after that. Um, it's like a really long title sequence shot up. We're looking up at the uh, top of the skyscrapers that disappear into the fog. Mm. Um, and we're, we're like looking at these things for ages, and, the, and the, the angle is made to look like we're looking down at them. It felt surreal, like it, it gave me a real sense. Have it, you been to Alton Towers before and been on Hex? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You know, like the seats move and you feel like you're going to fall out of your seat, but you can't see that because the room's moving as well with you. You don't know. You just feel like you're going to fall out of your seat. I felt like I was going to fall out of my seat and into the screen. It yeah. was a really strange, strange experience. I, I did like that. Sorry to immediately spoil it, Luke, but I also thought about, oh, I loved Spider-Man on the PS1. Yeah. And that's what it reminds me. When you can't, when you you can't swing go down because of the fog. <laughs> yeah, it's like oh no, there's a there's a there was some reason there was some narrative reason why you couldn't go down to floor level like a mist, yeah. but it's like oh that yeah. draw distance poison like, gas. Oh, there was a few where it was like poison gas down there's there. There's poison gas down there. You've got to stay at skyscraper. It, remind, it reminded me of um yeah, a bit 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 random bit niche. Koyana Squatsi. Have you heard of that? No. It's like it's like um. What did you what did you beg your pardon? It's co- <laughs> it, I think that's how you say it. But it's it's um, the soundtrack's by Philip Glass, and I think I listened to the soundtrack before I even oh, knew what it was. Okay. But it's like it's yeah. some of his most famous music. But it's like a weird sort of experimental visual film where it's like all like cityscapes and stuff. But it it was it was like that. Okay. Like the music almost reminded me of Philip Glass as well. Um, but yeah, it's a, I, I don't know if it's on YouTube. I don't know how long it is. Well, it's 86 minutes long, I just see. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Pretty much just like it's all slow motion, like cityscapes and random things set to like Philip Glass music. It reminded me of that. It was very, very yeah. stylish. Yeah, but it was beautifully, beautifully done. Um, mm. Yeah. And is, is, does, the, does the skyscraper scene come before our opening scare? Or is that after? So might, be, see young... might be a little bit after. You see a young boy go in to do his laundry. Policeman sees him drop a sock, doesn't say anything. Protect and serve my eye. Yeah. Um, There's that thing where he, he my bends foot, down to pick my foot that sock been. up. He bends down to pick that sock up and another one pops. Oh, Always that's, happens. That's a real life horror. That happens to that me all the horror. time. You take yeah. and you... Oh, I dropped that. It's okay, I've picked that up. You haven't noticed that you dropped something else. Yeah. That's one of those... <laughs> that's just one of those... Floor. That's, that's, Does he have a sock? That's true observational like filmmaking. That always happens. Yeah. And not you go through, like, like, not oh, commenting. God, just tell him. Just tell him. Yeah, that policeman looks and goes, oh, it's all over there. I'll have to shout. 
Um, yeah. yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't help. And the little boy, he goes in. I made a note. He's got a very Candyman-y jacket here. That's a Candyman jacket yeah. or Del Boy, one or the other. Um, <laughs> is that a red herring or is that not a red herring? What's the opposite of not a red herring? Just a regular <laughs> herring. A regular herring. Just a blue. That's herring. a regular herring. That is there. Uh, the, the police officer also shows him like a sketch of a man that they're looking for. Have you seen this bloke? And he just goes, seen, nah. seen this bloke? It's the Candyman. Yeah. Seen this bloke? No. And off he pops down there to do his do his laundry in the creepy basement. Of course, we put, keep the laundromat. Um, and then he goes back to hang out in the um, the big old hole in the wall um, that's in there. And who should come stepping out um, but uh, we'll cover who it is shortly. But a, a Candyman looking fella, a Candyman, yeah. Um, he's he's, um, got... he's not got a hook, he's got one of those like pincher, pincher, yeah. yeah. He's got like a, a pincher, he has like a he has like a prosthetic basically, yeah. like, but not a um, you know, not a like a sophisticated hand one, he has like a functionally prosthetic. Limb. It's like interesting because when this happened, I was like, "Oh, so, so it's not." A, I had no idea if this was a remake or a reboot or a remake boot or whatever that saying is. I was like, <laughs> "Oh, so that's that's what the Candyman looks like in this one." Hmm. Yeah, interesting choice. He's got like a friendlier face. Seems quite nice, really, but like a little bit disturbed, a little bit strange. Yeah. Um, nice, but, but like he hasn't slept a wink in, yeah. in a week. I've been living in this wall and there's nowhere to sleep. And do you want some candy? Have some candy. Want some um, candy. You want some, um, <laughs> you want some candy? And then obviously he, the kid screams in terror as you would. And then we cut to the, the skyscrapers. Is that what we cut to immediately then? We don't yeah, we I think, think, go back to it, don't police. we? Yeah. Yeah, okay, we see, we see yeah, the yeah. police like raging out of the car, like, oi, oi, oi. And then we just go to the... <laughs> We go to Spider-Man on the PS1 and look yeah. at the... Uh, yeah. Sorry, very reductive of what is a very beautiful scene. I'm a shitted, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm telling you, it's my favourite part. I don't know why, as I was watching it, I just I was kind of blown away by that opening. I've been listening to the soundtrack and that song, which I think is called The Sweet, which yeah. plays with the opening credits, is just like, yeah, there's something really like mesmerising about it. Um, oh, we didn't mention the cast, but obviously the, the lead is, uh, is it Yaya Abdul... Mateen the second, aka Doctor Manhattan, aka uh, Black Manta from Aquaman yeah. as well. Love them big red um, lasers. He's great. Yeah. He is great. Yeah. Like, everything I everything I've seen him in, I'm just like, yeah, he's great. He's superb. Apparently, he's going to be in the new Matrix movie as well. Um, you see him, he's and in... you can understand why that that blonde lady at the library has that reaction. What a what a powerful presence! Yeah. You're like, oh, oh yeah, of course, flustered. How clean <laughs> <are> those converse. <laughs> This this the, this guy is well, like, <laughs> the little nipple hat, his little earring, uh, his converse, just the whole look of this dude is like, yeah. That apartment they live in, wait, I don't, I don't understand. They live in like a high rise. It's an amazing looking apartment. Yeah, it looks yeah, absolutely well. fantastic. And this is what they're talking about the gentrified areas, right? Like if this area has, if they're claiming the area is being gentrified now, you have not, you know taking a close look at your flat because it yeah. is absolutely on point. Oh, look at this, oh, this old place. Not been decorated for... Yeah. 
It's unbelievably I, I, nice, yeah. I guess they are all like artists and designers, though. Maybe I know, but taste. so this is what uh, one of the guys at the cinema said. Well, he's, he's a famous, I don't think he's a famous artist. I think he, he had like a decent showing outside of grad school or whatever. She's like um, an art collector or she's like the breadwinner isn't she because yeah. but she play. only works at like this little diddy little art gallery i mean maybe maybe they get paid way more than i thought they, i don't yeah. know but um I, I don't it seemed to me like they cannot be living in that apartment drinking going through different bottles of wine maybe they can't i don't know maybe drinking i can dessert a different wine, but dessert not wine the... for dinner yeah. <laughs> that's way too sweet maybe it's established that like you know, fashion is a is a funny and fickle thing. Like maybe they moved into that apartment dead cheap, and it just happens to have come into fashion. Yeah. Oh, no one wants this. No, oh, no one wants this exposed brickwork. I'm gonna have to rent this for cheap. Oh, hello. Yeah. So, I just say I would like to live there. It looks great. Yeah, oh, it's definitely. A super. Look at the look at the quality of the fittings on those taps. There's no way that's just old. <laughs> look at the, they've got like a range cooker. <laughs> It's, it's so nice. Uh, but they've got friends around. Uh, they've got... Uh, it's Curtis from Misfits. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Recognised yeah. them straight away. Um, so T- Tiona Paris plays Brianna, which is who is Andy... Anthony McCoy's girlfriend and the art director. <laughs> not not Andy's. She's um, from Division as well, I think. Yeah, so she's, she's going to be in Nia DaCosta's new movie, The Marvels, as well, which is going to be Captain Marvel... And um, Tiona Paris played Monica Rambeau, didn't she? She's Monica Rambeau, yeah. she, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then there's another guy. Um, I is it is it Coleman Domingo? William Burke, he plays. That name rings a bell. Uh, a Cabrini... Okay, a Cabrini Green resident who tells Anthony about the Candyman legend. Oh, yeah. He's the guy who meets at the laundromat. So he is... Oh, okay. Spo- spoilers for later. Yeah, okay. He is the little boy from the opening, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, they sit down. Um, they're having like arty chat, and it's quite lively, and they're drinking wine. And then Curtis from Misfits says, "Have you ever heard of the Candyman?" And he starts turning the lights off. Yeah, he lights a couple of candles. Gets ready to tell him a little light. story, and he does that to break some political, some political tension. Right when they're going like. Oh, yeah, this is the sweetest house ever. And they're talking about um, gentrification of, you know, previously poor communities. And, oh, you know, it's always the, you know, the, the white, you know, the white communities that come in, they move us all out and they do, they do all these things. And they go, bit of a conversation killer. Um, horror story? Ghost story, anyone? Yeah. Anyone yes, fancy please. a ghost story about a famous candyman? Yes. I liked, I liked this story because... He basically retells Candyman one about but like about the evil uh, Helen. Um, Don't say Helen five Helen, times, Luke. Helen. Helen, oh, Helen, Helen Lyle. Helen. <laughs> the guy in the end of the song. Well, you <laughs> yeah. see, no one says someone's name randomly five times in a row, unless they're really angry. Oh, Helen. <laughs> Helen. <laughs> Helen, Helen Lyle. Helen. <laughs> oh, do you reckon her name is Helen Lyle? Like Tate and Lyle. Tate and Lyle. I was going to say exactly that. <laughs> Tate and Lyle, aka Sugar, the main ingredient in candy. Candy man. <laughs> yeah, uh, but I like I like the retelling of it uh, as if she's the kind of the villain of the story. So she 
she killed a Rottweiler um, with a bare hand. <laughs> did, bare hands. did angel Chop. blood angels in it? Human hands. Chopped uh. a chopped a Rottweiler's <laughs> head off. Did blood angels and then nicked a baby and was gonna chuck it in the fire. But they. But then she didn't. She her. chucked herself in the fire instead. Was that's the end of Helen Lyle? Was the yeah. links obviously obviously spoilers Absolutely. spoilers spoilers? But was the links between Anthony McCoy and um, the baby from the first movie was that? already re- like revealed because i i felt like i already knew that i, I, knew I didn't know that, i didn't know i didn't know I that maybe maybe i've missed it from two or three but i didn't know until it was time to be revealed it was a classic you know the the dr watson thing from a sherlock holmes story where you the audience work it out moments before yeah. dr watson does or anthony in this case like i worked it out it, exactly when i was meant to i was like oh mm. that baby that was mentioned that hasn't been mentioned for a while he's he's in i think i realized when i saw vanessa williams although i didn't realize that she she played the woman she, in the first one she's barely aged <laughs> like yeah. she's but ba- obviously yeah. she's got to be like what like 50 odd she came on it's like point. she's never his mum. <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. year old than he is yeah yeah um, there we go so yeah. Ant- Anthony, oh, okay. oh yeah, so they tell the story of Helen. Um, and then... <laughs> yeah, that's that... the ghost story. There's no mention of Candyman's at this point. It's, I want to tell you the ghost story of Lean In, took the torch on your face. Sugar Lady. <laughs> Helen yeah. Lyle, famously of the Tate and Lyle sugar duo. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> sugar duo. Yeah. Oh, they were cracking duo. I like some great hits. Sugar was one of them. <laughs> Sugar was the I, best one. Yeah. Um, so, but they uh, they get. I think we get the impression Anthony has got like a curator coming the next day, and he's got some work he wants to show. But he he's like, yeah, it'll be okay. I I, we'll see how it goes. Mm-hmm. Because he's not overly inspired by what he's um, uh, what he's been what he's working on recently. Yeah. Next day, curator comes and he's like, this is all right, but this is like you from this is like the same. I think it's like almost exactly the same picture. It's like a guy wearing a noose around his neck or something. Yeah. Um, and then he goes, okay, I think I'm working on a new thing. It's about gentrification, blah, 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 blah gentrification, uh, Cabrini Green. And then the guy's like, oh, love it. He oh, does the great, is, he does the the great thing. thing. Yeah. He essentially pitches something and then goes and researches it afterwards, which is a great <laughs> move for any creative. I feel yeah. like you got to do that. You got to throw it out there and then go, bloody hell, I better go and research this now before I say anything else. Yeah, yeah. Before I actually have to like get pinned pinned down to this. Yeah, he goes to do his research, but this is the character. Makes it, a pinterest here, board. Like, here we go, literally. Note on the page, big letters, line to itself, art dealer equals awful. Like this yeah. is the thing you get to get to him because he's transparently an awful person. The man with... This man is to self-awareness or lack of self-awareness, what the guy from Midsummer is to gaslighting. He's the man that says, Oh yeah, you know, use it from your from your history, you know, your your thing. And it's like, oh God, you must do you hear yourself, art dealer. You are the worst man. You yeah. are like transparently like trying to make the experiences of an entire community and this particular artist that you're, you know, claiming to want to display his work completely transactional and very cynically like oh yeah um you know diversity sells right now doesn't it um and you know talking about this gentrification and pointing out these trying to profit um, off of black yeah. trauma which is like yeah yeah so he is yeah. 
instantly an awful man and not uh, superficially charming but awful man um you know like a you know like a patrick bateman character or something like this like he's just transparently awful and you would imagine that surely no one would give him the time of day maybe if not for his position made a quick note here cannot wait for this man to inevitably die hope it's the first person and i almost get my wish but you know yeah, yeah. Um, and then he's then he's, then well, he's off on his way um he's off on his research strip yeah he, uh, research trip not strip. there's some googling first which you gotta do yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's the, that's the first point of call. Almost misspells it, but gets it right in the end. Oh yeah, we get Classic. we get Helen a picture of Helen pretty early on, right? I think I think there's like a yeah. He sees her in the newspaper. They see get a natural. It looks like a screenshot. From, it looks like a screenshot from the movie. So I'm like, who's taking that photo? Of her looking exactly like yeah. she did in the Candyman movie from 1993. I suppose what was she a journalist? So maybe there would have been a. She was like it feels a, like the screenshot is almost from when she was like being hypnotized by the Candyman yeah. collapse. She's like. Yeah, well, Can- yeah. Uh, Candyman did take a picture at the time. If you remember, he had his little yeah. camera with him, sold it and sold it to the newspapers. <laughs> oh yeah, it's all <laughs> well, those little things. Some like, money, you know. If someone, if some, if someone ever like is embroiled in a scandal, then they will find the worst picture. Um, like real life horrors, the you know the teenager Amanda Knox that was you know, arrested and then unarrested and things. The newspapers at the time ran pictures of her, like, sitting behind a machine gun that she took when she was on, like, a tourist thing. And her boyfriend that was arrested as well, he was, like, wielding a knife. But they were at a Halloween party at the time that you pick the worst context, awful photos to use of people. That's what's happened to Helen. She's been demonised in this. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Yeah. You picked a photo of her eating a bacon sandwich and looking a bit awkward. She's Ed Miliband. Um... Rub yeah. some bird poo off the shoulder. Yeah. yeah. So uh, th- uh, so he goes into the Cabrini Green, the old Cabrini Green. Uh, I always, I mean, I don't like this shot, but it, it's quite an evocative shot where you've got the old Cabrini Green right next to the the, yeah, the new high-rise flats. So you can see the, the juxtaposition between the two areas. He goes into the houses, which are kind of empty. And I think one of the best Candyman aspects is the graffiti like the sort of um, urban art and we see pictures of I think we see pictures of Candyman right? not Helen at this point it's just like a weird wall. sort of like spectre shape weird thing that we guess like for us who know, know Candyman well he's our best bud uh, <laughs> we can go that's Candyman but yeah, recognise him, like, um, yeah. him anywhere mate. but yeah you, you have a look at all these things this where he gets stung by a bee Although for so, our for our money, do you recognise that as a bee? It looks a lot more waspish from from my money. Maybe that's a an American bee. I mean, not all not all bees are, are bumblebees. I think you get honeybees though, but it looks oh, yeah, more yeah, it looks more waspy. Um, I, I, don't, but, I don't know. <laughs> but he he swat, he swats the bee and it falls on the floor. We for, for our money, it's bees. Maybe it's killer bees, but um, he swats the bee and it falls on the floor. And it gets captured by some ants after it's done. It made a note oh, there. Yeah. Ha. Oh, the, yeah, can- yeah. The, the candy man's weakness must be ants. If we can find something <laughs> that metaphorically is ants, we know how to defeat him. Ant-Man. Ant-Man. Just shrink Ant-Man, Ant-Man down and, and he can fight all the bit. Now that makes sense. Yeah. Shrink him down and then put him up Candyman's arse because that's what they want to do. In the quantum realm. 
I mean, ass. Yeah. And then <laughs> and then just get big again. And that's yeah. it. Finish. So the Candyman is weak against Blood Angels. ant type things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and then what while he's I guess sort of trespassing on well actually is he trespassing? It's just a, like abandoned property in it. Police go flying past and he kind of hides and then he meets um a dude called William Burke who what's he doing there? He's just he's carrying some stuff. He's doing his laundry still. Yeah. He's like, Where's and that he's still in sock? He's oh, still doing been... laundry like all these years later. And yeah, he, and he, oh, now he owns a laundromat, which yeah. is the ne- next logical step up from. Yeah. From when he was doing when he yeah, was doing that do laundry, laundry on his you own. get traumatized outside of the laundrette, you have to overcome those demons. And yeah, and he was like, right, I'm never going to do laundry again, but I'm not going to just buy myself a washing machine. I'm going to own the laundromat. He's going to be. This was in the East End of London. He is Dot Cotton, effectively. Yeah. <laughs> Oh no! Oh, is that Dot Cotton? What did she say? Oh Nick! Oh Nick! What's happened? What have you been doing? Oh, like Candyman! Oh, oh Candyman! Have you been out there doing bad things again? Hooking people? You bastard! So um, yeah. This guy tells the story from the very very start of the film, but the rest of it, right? So basically, um, the the, the Candyman we saw earlier, I think his name's Melvin or something like that. Not very Sherman. Sherman. Yeah, close enough. Sherman uh, comes out of the wall and he tries to give him some sweeties, um, yeah. and he starts screaming. He freak, he's freaking out because like the last thing he knows is there's there's razor blades in these sweets potentially. I'm not too sure, but there might be. And he's, yeah, and he's the guy out. that's on the poster, right? So he's the Have you yeah. seen this Candyman? Um, yeah, and he points out that basically, yeah, some. He points because they asked him first about Helen. He goes, "Oh, funny! Like all these other people died in this community. The first time one white woman dies, that's the name that everyone hears." Mm-hmm. And then that's the same. Like so, the Shermanator was dishing out all of the candy, <laughs> um, and then one white kid apparently had like a razor blade in some sweets. You would ne- the boiled sweets he's giving out. Come on, do we've a little seen, bit of police work. The, You're never going to the- get a razor blade in a boiled sweet. You see what the razor blade looks like when we see it later. It's literally like sandwiched in there, like it's massive. No one's gonna look at it and go, "Oops!" You're gonna see it before you put it in your mouth because it's huge. Yeah, it's literally an entire disposable bic, like just in a sweetie yeah. wrapper. Um, but yeah, basically, the police immediately blame the you know this this guy Sherman with a with a hook hand, um, and they come looking for him. But they can't find him. So then, when the little boy. When the little boy screams, we flash back in, and he and he has just given him a sweet. He was just a nice candy man, so he was the kind that would, um, you know, take a rainbow, paint it with a smile. Um, but he he didn't in this he's case. Living a, he's living in a bloody living in a bloody war, though. I guess he's I guess yeah. he's kind of hiding because there is the police are looking for him because they believe somebody's been putting razor blades in sweets, but. Obviously, after they kill kill him in cold blood, um, and they they just beat him. Is that what they we're beat him beyond recognition? Yeah, um, like a whole army of them, like running there. Like, and then I thought, oh, maybe they're like the ants. 
If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. So the police in this metaphor are the ants because they all leg it down the stairs like little, yeah. little ants yeah. and beat him up. Yeah. Okay. And it almost seems like um, William, when he's a kid, seems more scared of the police all rushing in and and yeah. sort of beating Sherman to death rather than, than he was ever scared of Sherman. So, but yeah, but then obviously weeks later, the sweets with um, razor blades in turn up again. So unless Sherman somehow, <laughs> somehow like sent them delayed to kids, which I doubt. Yeah. He's not responsible. Snail he was mail. killed. He was innocent. So an mail, innocent, yeah. yeah, an innocent man was, was killed for something that he had nothing to do with. Um, by yeah, by the police. But so since then, since he gets moided pretty bad by the police, I think it's just if you say Candyman five times in the mirror, how did that start? I don't know. Um, Sherman appears to Shermanate you. Yeah. Right? So Sherman is the current is Candyman. the current Candyman. It's like um... the only thing that's weird about that, like so, there's people, there's different Candymans at different ages. Do you have to like have a hook hand and like candy and wear those coats to be eligible and have a load of bees knocking about with you? Like, I, mean, that I think it just goes nothing the, to do with bees. Yeah, yeah. I but, think it just goes to the territory, doesn't it? So, like, there's got to be something to do. Well, I'm trying to pick it apart, but you know, I don't really know. Something to do with the legend. Maybe the legend claims you somehow claims you as a vic as a victim. If you kind of fit the avatar to some extent. Like yeah. you are more eligible, more susceptible to be drawn into the Candyman legend. I guess. Oh, can you imagine yeah. that? I'm betting Tony Todd, old Daniel, 
old Daniel, he'd obviously, he's got a little bit of clout because he's been the Candyman for the longest time, but he tries to bring Helen in. But the other Candymans are going like, I'm not sure about this one. It's not. <laughs> it's like Doctor Who all over That's again. But there's That's literally going to be Candyman gatekeepers, <laughs> the undead Candyman gatekeepers going, a woman is Candyman, and in the title, Candyman. All right. <laughs> can, Do you think that happened? Well, you have to Helen call us Candy. You have to call us. You have to call us Candy push. person now, do you? Oh, it's not in my day. Too political. This Candy. Candy officer. Got. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, but obviously Tony Todd, original, original Candyman. I've forgotten his last name. His name is um, Daniel Robitel. Robitel. Daniel Robitel. So he is the original, the original Candyman. He here's, probably gets to the deciding vote. Here's one of my issues with the with this film. Um, I feel like so the the engine of this film is about a guy researching Candyman, and the more he looks into, it, the more he finds out that it's like kind of it's kind of a lineage to the title, and he's going to be the next one. And by researching him, he's he's bringing him back around. He's kind of invoking Candyman. Um, in the original one. The story engine is different. It's it's a Candyman may or may not be real. She may or may not just be passing out and killing things. Mm. And there's a really kind of uh, alluring story angle there. Where you think, what the hell is going on? She's passed out. She's woke up and there's like a, do- a beheaded dog next to her. And she's covered yeah. in blood. That's a really palpable, engrossing story element that this one just doesn't have. But I feel like it does lose some of the proportion that that original one did have. Because this one, it's like when Candyman does appear. It's like no, it's definitely Candyman. There's no, there's no if buts or maybes. Only absolutes over that. Uh, Is this something video. that you can you not create that sense of um, uncertainty, given that this is at very least a sequel to the first one, though? Because we know from the end of the first one, if it has been an entire reboot and mm. said right, there's 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 no Candy Candymans now. This is Candyman Zero. Um, then you could have no sugar. Uh, you could yeah oh god <laughs> the, the Candyman Zero <laughs> yeah so yeah, if it's this is Candyman Zero there is no there's no background to fall back on there isn't anything on there so if you hadn't necessarily tied it in as a sequel so you could mention mm. Helen you could mention the past but once you include the actress once you include the the events of that film as canon then the uncertainty of the Candyman's existence is gone and yeah. we're at Leprechaun in space territory. It's happening. It's a thing that it's a thing that's happening. You're taking the next step down that path. You know, people aren't surprised yeah. to see dinosaurs in the lost world. They've been to Jurassic Park. Um, but, yeah. 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 Okay. But I see what okay. you mean, Luke. I see what yeah, you mean. Yeah. Um, but I'm not sure you can. I don't think in, yeah, you, in the defense, right. I don't think you can do it. Yeah. Um, I know what you mean. I, I don't think there is a way around it, really. Um, also, I, I do feel like it misses the. Uh, there's, I mean, it's, it's missing one element that I don't. I don't know if it, it could have done a bit of this, which is where Helen is kind of romantically curious yeah. in Candyman. Tony Todd appears and he's like really alluring, and his voice is really boomy, and he's kind of hovering around. He's like, I don't understand why is this guy so like alluring to her and she that's kind of what proposes her to um research more about him she's kind of like really interested in in who the candy man is and, and she kind of goes her curiosity takes her too far and she kind of gets embroiled in it 
Um, yeah. I kind of wish there was a bit, a little bit more of that. Just to... is, are we supposed to believe that Anthony McCoy is allured in the same way artistically rather than romantically? Well, is that was is that what's I, driving? I don't him? know. He loves just, art. He's just he's just an obsessed artist. I think is the thing. Well, I think like we he's... get we we play that angle, but I'm not sure I get the same. It isn't a criticism of the actors, but I'm not sure I get it from the actions I see on screen that there's this obsession. We know that he's an artist, so we see him like frantically painting the face as um, it begins mm. to come in. But I guess in his spoken interactions until it's kind of too late and it's happening he seems quite casual about it oh just pop to the university and get some files until until it's kind of happening and we get like a almost a comedy beat after the first murder when he's excited that his work is being mentioned by name on the television yeah that's a strange and and it's funny because the other guys are kind of looking at him like i think it's nice to have some levity in these films but i kind of maybe that levity is the thing that undercuts the what could be a growing obsession yeah i know what you mean whatever like, yeah, story someone, was to- like, yeah. Sorry, whatever, sto- whatever story was told um by his brother-in-law that day would have been his new obsession you know it happens to talk about candy man he's like, oh this is what i'm gonna do for my new art thing talk if you'd have been Lego. talking about if you didn't talk about Lego or, or the latest <laughs> episode of The Simpsons, he'd have been like, right, got to get my Disney Plus subscription. Yeah. I'm going to draw well, Bart Simpson. One thing I would say is after he becomes obsessed and starts drawing these Francis Bacon-looking paintings, I was like, these are way better. I really like yeah. these paintings that he's doing. Put these paintings up, but you, wouldn't be, you would be one of the only ones, though, Luke, because we, we cut after this after the story of the candy when we see him do his first load of pictures, and they're at the... They're at the the gallery, the display with, and he's done, like, I am not an art critic. I've never claimed to be, and I never will claim to be, but it's a good show he's put together. He's done some paintings and he's got a little bit that opens up in the mirror and he's Which put Just the, like the first one with the yeah, and he's, hole behind the Yeah, he's put the, the hole cabinet. behind the thing and there's the mirror cabinet and like, it's a really nice piece he's put together. I would be interested in seeing that as like an art, an art installation. I've seen art installations like over over the over the years. We go to, you know, not completely bereft of culture. I go to a museum or a gallery <laughs> once in a while, and I will, you know, you know, I, I've been and had a look at stuff, and I've seen good art. I've seen excellent art, and I've seen some incredibly lazy installations. You know, with the bit of paper going. The artist feels that it's up to you, the viewer, to yeah. interpret this. I'm like, don't piss around with that. Well, well, someone, one of their peers, does sort of say, "Where did you get those paintings, Dad? It's a bloody little oh. kid drawing with his crayons or something." Fucking, <laughs> what's he called? A goofy ass fuck. He calls um, him a goofy ass fucker. Yeah, yeah. Like that. but yeah, he's he's doing this, and then the again, the art dealer automatically is like. <sighs> It's kind of complete. There's like a dissonance from what they are reacting to and what the general public are looking at. So people seem to be looking at the paintings and the pictures and enjoying them. He has a two minute conversation with the critic and the art dealer's like, oh, tell your boyfriend to stop like hogging the critic, will you? I'm like, give it a rest, mate. I already think you're a dickhead. Stop. Like, he's like, oh, do, do this. And then he has the critic and they have a... They have a little you people exchange and it's like, oh, you know, these ghettos and the gentrification, you people do it. It's like, whoa, you people? It's like, yeah, artists. 
you guys come and you appreciate the low rents of these cheap ghetto areas and then you're the ones that basically begin the cycle of gentrification because you know artists move in and you make the place trendy which is what attracts the the thing and, and it talks about the cycle there and you know there's some there's some truth to that right ben like um sorry both of you but i'm about to go into an example like been areas in Bristol like Montpellier, right? Like incredibly trendy areas that are that are up and coming. I think if you look at those areas, te- like you know, ten years ago, there would have been less desirable places to live. But now, house prices are soaring. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's lots to be. There's lots that make sense in that, and are good points when it comes to it. Yeah, but yeah, um, they they have those exchanges, and then. We get to call that kind of goofy-ass fuck. He's had a few drinks, Anthony McCoy. He's having a good time. Well, not having a good time, really, because the art installation hasn't really got the reaction he was hoping for. Um, so, yeah, he leaves and... and Tells the night. art dealer to stock up on morning after pills for shagging his interns the whole time. That was good. And then and his comeback is, you yeah. you must have had one in the bank because... Yeah, that's not that, fair you have one in the bank ready to go he's like yep. yes, yeah i had that in the bank because you're a piece of shit you're the worst man in this film um <laughs> yeah, and he, yeah and he goes see you later bye see you later bye don't don't die and then that yeah. night while they're cleaning up all the beer bottles and um cleaning up after the art installation um the intern he's says he's, oh what about that thing this is the other thing as well. So this is the art installation that had no impact and you all hated. Yet it's the one that they're talking about. It's like, oh, this one about the candy mints. Yeah. Oh, what's that? That art in it. Literally, the only one that you are talking about is the one that you allegedly all think is pointless. Yeah. You know what? Um, Anthony says this is a point in the film as well. Like, if you say his name, if you say Candyman in the mirror, it is quite palpable. Even like today, if you look in the mirror and start saying Candyman five times, there is a, there's a little bit of fear. There's when a little bit of something to, When like, you get to the fifth time, you are a bit like, I, oh, uh, should I, could I, would I now? Yeah, and this yeah. is that bit I was telling you about. When I, when I was growing up, genuinely, it's one of those things that you just think, what are the real Candymans? Like, I tell you what, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll, hedge, I'll, I'll, I'll hedge my bets and I'll say Beetlejuice three times instead because I think then I'll just get some mild peril, some mischief. Um, mild, <laughs> mild peril. And if I do Beetlejuice enough times and he doesn't and he doesn't turn up, then I'll, you know, you you don't you never go straight to Candyman. Yeah, this makes me Wait. think as well. Sorry to jump in. Okay, okay. Did you guys ever try and levitate stuff of your mind growing up? <laughs> Yeah, I think so. I feel. Yeah. Did you ever try and power up like a Super Saiyan? Yeah, that's say you ever try and tend to. Oh, if I get cross enough, <laughs> or try and move um, things with your mind, like Matilda. Yeah, yeah try and I Matilda. Try and Magneto and me, Magneto, not Matilda. <laughs> <laughs> I remember constantly trying to move stuff like a Jedi, like yeah. all the time. I kept thinking it's kind of one of these times it'll move just a little bit. Yeah, uh, but but yeah, Candy Candyman has the same thing. Is a kid even today looking in a reflection and saying it? There is something there. I think this Bloody Mary, that's where the, the, the whole thing comes yeah. from, right? Yeah. Bloody Mary and then... Um, Bloody hell, yeah. Mary. Bloody Mary, <laughs> Candyman's 
doing the you know doing your, your Jedi Force trick. I used to sometimes get do a bit of like um, is it Evil Dead Two where he's looking at himself in the mirror and then the reflection is evil and it starts like strangling him. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. that as well. If you look at your reflection in the mirror too long. That's weird. Yeah, I don't think I not, I hope there's not a bad knee inside the mirror that's going to smash me up anytime soon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah. Yeah, yeah so... it's right. And I think this is where the urban legend stuff really, really filters in. But the terrible, the terrible art critic is not art critic, the art dealer is going to have sex with his intern. But she goes, Fancy doing it Candyman style. I said, Oh, what do you mean by that? I said, Oh, you know. <laughs> While we're having sex at this art installation, I'll say Candyman. Yeah. Because not really bad if you like. And it's happened like three times already, right? Because Anthony's already almost said it four times with his girlfriend. She's like, "I'll oh, pack it in. Don't do that." And like, you get a couple of near misses because then uh... no, 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 no. He says five times, and yeah. then there is a bit you see him Shermanator in the reflection, but he's so slight. Yeah, oh, like... must have missed him. Yeah, yeah, because I, mean, I, yeah. I was constantly looking for Shermanator because he does pop up randomly, um, and sometimes yeah. he doesn't. Sometimes he's reflections, right. and I shouldn't have bothered looking. But he turns up this time when the when the assistant is saying, "Candy," and the awful. <laughs> this is maybe where he tipped it over the edge with the awful art dealer. It's like, oh yeah, say it. He's like, oh, don't say Candyman because we haven't had sex yet, and it's like, oh yeah, you're the worst. And he's like, oh, actually, do say Candyman because you know. Necrophilia is really in now, and it's like, yeah, oh, yeah. Um, my, my face is that you know, the emoji face where it's completely a flat line, and then there's <laughs> like, like, that is it. Like, yeah, you've you, you've done it, you are a caricature of an absolute dick. Um, but you know, he gets his comeuppance right now. She says Candyman, and then who should pop out the mirror but the Shermanator? And he gives a he slashes her right up. There's and some really good, like, um, sorry, Ben, go on. As you can say, there's some really good, you know, reflection mirror stuff happening yeah, here. This is and brilliant. The, uh, the yeah. blue, the blue and the red and the flashing lights and stuff. It, it was very shallow. It got me mm. thinking of like shallow movies, definitely. The lighting in here, the the effect where we see in the mirror. So the art dealer um, is looking around and he can see um, Candyman in the mirror and he's like slashing the um the video part of the art installation like the cinema screen and in the mirror um he's you can see him going across then in real life it falls down like slashed slashed across they stick pretty hard to this whole reflection thing don't they i don't think he comes into the our dimension until the very 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 end like for no. the most part he's exclusively in the mirrorland yeah so the right, only thing right. is, so they they slit they slit the girl's throat, and then the guy's like, "Is this actually happening?" They're kind of playing it for laughs, which I didn't really. Yeah. Uh, one one criticism, I I didn't find any of this film that scary. I felt like it 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 didn't really have any sort of genuinely sort of holy shit terrifying moments. It was a lot of it was kind of played down a bit, or like oh, it would constantly cut away. Yeah, it would constantly cut away. It was I only a 15, to, wasn't it? In, in that's what I was going to say. This is a yeah. 15, and there are a couple of bits where I was like, that that editing was weird. Like, I feel like we've missed a shot here. I'm wondering if it was cut to be an 18, and they were yeah. like, no, we need to get the teenage audience to do this because this is Candyman. 
loads of kids are going to want to come see the urban legend. If Suicide Squad can be 15 with like literally heads getting cut off, and people stuff. getting popped like balloons and stuff, yeah, it's insane. Yeah, um, it's funny the different approaches and things like that. Like, basically, if you don't want your film to be an 18, don't say cunt, don't do drugs, right? But apart from that, I don't understand yeah. why not many films have to back away from like, yeah, avoid sexual violence, I think. But I think for a slasher movie, you could have been a little more explicit on this one. So maybe the studio are a bit heavy handed. I think there's I think there's a Snyder cut somewhere in there. We need to release the the DeCosta cut. Yeah. If it, it feels like especially later on, there's a guy who may or may not cut his tongue out. And I'm like, surely we should have seen that because that's, I don't know, like it felt like they were putting away too much from the actual violence. Yeah. In the first one, like we see, it, um, there's one bit where a guy just gets a hook, like suddenly, like pops out for his chest. I don't think we see anything that up close in, in this one. No, no. There's there's a murder later on where it like really pans out and we see it happen in the distance, like in the window. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, we see the slash across the throat just appear in in nothing basically, but it's kind of from like a mid distance and, and in like quite stark shadow. And then the the guy runs to the door. Candyman's other power that is seldom explained is that he can lock a door from any I distance. Good lock, He's good like lock He's like the master of central locking. He's like, I'm the central locking man. (laughs) Yeah. It doesn't just work on (laughs) cars, though. You can central lock your museum. You can central lock your toilets. You can central lock anything. Yeah, you can central lock stuff that has no locking mechanism. (laughs) He's here. Oh, Candyman. Um, Yeah, he's he's central locked that um, art gallery and he gets dragged off into into oblivion he gets slashed up next to it and mm. left for dead and we don't see the discovery of the bodies unless i've forgotten that right we just see the news next day with yeah, anthony um, with anthony's having to watch the news and sort of smiling because this is where we have the bit where he's like we do see the Brianna mentioning his like, work yeah Brianna like coming into the into the gallery and oh we do like, we do. see them in full straight away but then there's like it's kind of like cut between that and the news story and then it shows the you bodies know, discovered in horror movies tv shows everything someone walks in they find a dead body they like scream like it's always a reaction like ah and then it cuts to the next scene or whatever yeah i don't think people do scream when they see dead bodies i think it's more of a oh fuck like i don't it think must, you would yeah, scream like that it must yeah. be one of those things yeah. yeah i don't know what the reaction would be i think the closest i've had to it and it wasn't a it wasn't a dead body. It was like it was, but you just that lingering fear, and like you know, he's he's not with us anymore. It was my granddad when he was still alive. He was getting on a bit. My my grandma had already passed away, and I was and he used to live in a place that backs onto my my parents' house. They bought a bungalow that just happened to be in the next street, and they shared a fence, so you could they put a gate in, you could walk through, so they could you know help him out a little bit when he was when he was. In his, in his later years. So my mum and dad were away and we'd called in. And I said I'd call in and see him. And I'd been to see him on the one day. You know, he was in his 90s at this point. And then the next day, I uh, went to call in and see him. And it was in the middle of the day. And I walked around and I went in, uh, you know, let myself in through the back. And I was calling, oh, granddad, I do like, it's, you know, it's just Andy, I've come around to see you and what have you. And I didn't hear anything. Um, so I like kind of slowed down because I was like, I don't want to scare him. 
uh, whatever. And I walked around and I went into what was there, like the back opened and then there's basically two doors, one to the living room, one to the bedroom, side by side in this bungalow. And as I walked around the corner, I could like see um, that I could see his feet and his legs and that he was lying on the bed and I could see he had like his slippers or his shoes on or everything. So he was like fully dressed. He wasn't still, he wasn't in bed, in bed. He was clearly just lying on the bed. And I kind of went round the corner incredibly slowly. And even my granddad was lying on this bed incredibly still. Yeah. And I had that horrible feeling that, you know, he, he'd like passed away. And I I didn't like shout, oh, fucking hell. I like I said his name incredibly loudly. Not his name. Didn't call him by his first name, called him <laughs> granddad. I said it incredibly loudly. It's a wonder I didn't kill him on that spot because he then jumped up and he just lay down in his bed and fallen asleep a little bit. Oh, God. But, uh, but that was the feeling of like... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that is the feeling of discovering. And like that would... Had I done that, it would have been, you know, I would have found someone who would, you know, passed away peacefully in their sleep, not someone who'd been terribly brutally murdered. But that chill of a feeling that you get when you walk around and you think that you might have seen someone who you are used to seeing alive yeah. dead, it's horrible. And I didn't, like I, said, I didn't actually see it. So I can only imagine, do they have to cut away from those scenes because it's impossible for actors to recreate that? I'm not sure that you Maybe. can convincingly yeah. deliver that horrible feeling what's what's it called again it's like the Val Luton bus where they scream and it cuts to like a bus pulling up and it's like the yeah. sound of the bus is like the <laughs> yeah yeah um classic well uh, one of, one of the best ver- one of the best versions of that <laughs> sorry one of the best versions of that is in the lost world when the from the opening sequence um when we obviously a daughter has been attacked by some compies, the tiny little oh, dinosaurs. Yeah, yeah. As the mum screams, it cuts to uh, Jeff Goldblum yawning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, I, and I always really, really enjoyed that. So it's like, ah! <laughs> great. <laughs> it really is great. Um, but yeah, he's um, old Tony. Tony, like Tony Todd. See, he did it on purpose. Um, Tony is watching the news that these mur- murders have happened. Didn't like the guy anyway, just told him to piss off the other day. Um, and they've been murdered, but they're mentioning his name and his art installation prominently notoriety. in the news. Immediate article. notoriety. I wonder if the reason they added that detail was because when he becomes the Candyman, he will live on in infamy as mm. as a, as well, like an yeah. evil art installation that kills people. Like, do you think it's like just to sort of pepper in the idea that like he'll be a candy man, but he'll be okay with it? So <laughs> yeah. it's all okay. In many Lux ways, the fame, likes the fame that goes along with it. <laughs> in many ways, this is what he wants, just for the attention. I mean, before that, he was just putting on his Facebook "bad day, don't ask." <laughs> <sighs> you You're okay, right? hun? You inbox, right, Tony? inbox me, babe. I don't, I don't know if we've uh, mentioned, but Anthony uh, is really... I think, no, we did mention about the actor being a really good guy. But I actually really liked watching Anthony pretty much the entire time on camera. Like, he's he's great. Really, he is like a, he's got like a cheeky energy to him. Um, like a, It's like a kind of puppy-ish kind of energy to him. Like even now when he's like smiling, like uh, when he finds yeah. out about his people being dead. Yeah. He, Brianna is obviously just like totally disgusted with him for... yeah. 
for doing that. It it's looks like he just found out he's having lasagna for dinner. <laughs> I bloody love lasagna. <laughs> so many layers. And, he's like, and he's like, oh, you know, bad for them being slashed up, but my name's on the news. Mention my they mentioned my name on the news. Very yeah. nice. So I don't really know where it goes from. I think Anthony's starting to get like um, his hand where he got stung on stung by the bee. Um, yeah, it's like to... I mean, it's like uh, horrendously going, cri- going crispy, going crispy. Yeah, yeah, it's going a bit, it's going a bit, a bit gooey. I mean, this is the true horror of living in the US, right? With the uh, with fully private with a privatized healthcare system, like. Can't have, you wouldn't have no Candymans in the UK, not because we don't have a terrible history of, uh, you know, poorly treating any number of uh, minority communities um, as, a, as a nation historically. But if you get a gap me hand, straight down the GPs. Yeah. Straight down a walk-in centre. I'm always surprised by people's reactions in this film. They're like looking at him and he's like picking at this giant scab yeah. thing. And they're it- like, please don't at the table. I'll be like, please, so you just gotta get some help. It out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah that it looks horrific. Look <laughs> that looks like it, it stinks. You be like, right, get a bottle. Of, <laughs> you be like, right, get a bottle of witch hazel, mate. Rub that in. Here's some pseudocreme. It does look like it stinks. You could smell that. It, I mean, it looks like his hand looks like it's decomposing. Yeah, which is sort of the, the idea. Uh, but mm. at the same time, he's getting really to his art. I think he's losing his mind a bit. His his room is. Um, a mess and he's got like loads of paintings of, of candy men faces i think i'm trying to work out he goes to see the guy again um no maybe it's around here he goes to see his mum i'm not too sure yeah so he, I think, went to, he sees his mom quite quite towards the end you've heard the um sorry guys remind me the girlfriend character the art curator what's her name brianna Brianna. Yeah. So Brianna argument. has basically said, um, like, your mom keeps phoning me. And she thinks I'm telling you not to come and see her. Like, yeah. go and go and see your mom at some point. So we sow the seeds that is that you should go and see his mom at some point. But I guess really... the next person we have is it the? I think it might be the uh, the the library thing when he goes and he sees himself in the mirror. Yeah, of course. In the lifts. Yeah. <laughs> And there's the, got... the blonde librarian who's like, cheeky. Um, um, <laughs> yeah, he's a yeah. Tony's a a cheeky fellow, and he see he goes in the lift, and we get some horror here where he sees um, what's Sherman, his name, yeah. the the Sherman version of the Candyman, having a peep down at him from the entirely mirrored elevator. Yeah, um, gives him a little smile. Blood comes out. He gets a sweetie. Gives him one. It's oh sweetie, but then he goes to open it. But he raised a blade in it, isn't it? Yeah. It's quite a good scare, I think. And there was obviously a funny mm. moment as well where the lift opened and everyone was ready to get in. I feel like I wanted him to deliver a line, something like, I hate lifts, as he walked out or something, because yeah. he kind of like awkwardly like walks out like <laughs> just yeah. saw the candyman. <laughs> Should have just said that. Just saw the Candyman. So, get, by the get way, the go ne- see get, my get, art piece. Get the next one, lads. Um, <laughs> Candyman, yeah. that one. Uh, yeah, one. Me stinks. <laughs> <laughs> so there's, there's a couple of um, so that from here, I think there's a couple of things that happen. One is a really strange aside with Brianna 
she has a weird memory of her dad committing suicide. Like, I believe I can fly. Yeah. I believe that. And he doesn't. He, he dies. And I'm like, that's <laughs> a weird little uh, element to ch- yeah. chuck in there. Because that doesn't get yeah. brought up again, I don't think. Because, yeah, he mentions, like, her dad was also a famous artist, right? And they say, oh, she speaks with her brother, who is a fellow from um, fellow from Misfits. Misfits saying, oh, you know, we're going to display his stuff. Is like, no, I don't want anything to do that. And that's where we get the I guess it's just just the character development. Yeah, we get, again, this is yeah. the thing. We get a lot of even things that aren't fully realised and maybe these are holdovers that we'll see later and if this is an ongoing concern and we see more episodes, maybe we'll see more of this past here or maybe it's just background colour into how you know, this whole thing about the cycle of misfortune, the cycle of tragedy and the cycle of violence that goes between these yeah. these characters that they're all impacted by. It could just be background for this, right? But we see, yeah, okay. you're right. Her dad, we, her dad commits start- suicide. <clears throat> he thinks about it every night and day, spread his wings and fly away, but he doesn't. Falls out the window. Um, and um, We see that that, that that tragedy kind of like propels Brianna's career forward as well. So she gains notoriety. She's got notoriety for that. Her dad killed himself and she's the daughter of a famous artist, but then she gets more notoriety because she was curating the gallery where two people were murdered and that sort of opens an opportunity for her to like possibly get a job at like a big museum in, in new, new york, york. yeah i also got the feeling that she york. didn't want to be she i got a feeling that she didn't want to make her bones or her career from based on the yeah. death of a father yeah um, and also it seems like she's now getting this leg up because of anthony's painting uh art piece and, and the people who died around that and, and that kind of notoriety. Yeah, it, it is interesting. It does kind of play into it. Some people are coming from the big city and they're going to meet for dinner tonight and she says to Anthony, it's a big deal. Like, don't don't mess this up. Don't order lasagna. Come on. Yeah, it's like, oh, God. Like, <laughs> and if he goes, you, if, if they bring you, you know, when the waiter comes over, these important people are coming over, right? When when the waiter comes over, just say your food, don't ask for ketchup. Do not. Why are we having burgers? No. <laughs> don't, don't, show, us. don't show your zombie hand, whatever you yeah. do. On this occasion, right, just just for once, like I know everyone prefers chips to salad, but these guys are coming. Like, if they give you the choice, when have the he... salad, not the chips. A jacket at a push, but you're sleeping on the sofa. Um, when do they like fall out and she... That's after, the, he... that's after go... the dinner and when he goes... Oh, it's the bloody Candyman. Because yeah. first he goes for an interview with the art critic who, uh, again, yeah. quite transparently, and I guess this feeds into the whole point about the the gentrification and what the notice is coming in here. Like, she was quite dismissive of his work. Um, you know, and obviously he made that comment about how artists are res- responsible for gentrification as, you know, the you know the white communities and the business owners that that kind of push the original occupants out and price them out of these neighborhoods. Hmm. But now she's very complimentary of the work. Anthony's talking about how it's likely to be a series, and she is quite engaged with it because obviously this is a critic who is now thinking, well, actually, she's not going to publish just. She's not in the critics column. Yeah, that that that, that works dime a dozen. You're getting paid for a couple of columns. She could do an actual news article now, right? That is going to get more publicity. So she's really interested and engaged in his artwork now. 
And this yeah. is where we first see with um, you know, Tony going, you know, what you could do, you know, to really connect with this piece, you've got to go and say his name in your really high-end, you know, installed bathroom. You go, go on, nip off the boo and say Candyman in the mirror a few mm. times now. Um, and she goes to like do the that. build-up to this bit, where he's yeah. looking in the mirror and... Sees his hands going all gammy and mm. goes out and he sees um, the Shermanator in the mirror instead of himself. Yeah. yeah, and obviously a bit where he's... This is where you're kind of supposed to think... I, I got the notion that he was going to become possessed or become the next Candyman somehow. Yeah. But I don't know, like... Classic Freddy 2 scenario. What? But yeah, well, he sees himself and moving. Yeah. It's sort of following him. Um, yeah, I kind of thought it was going to go a certain way, but I don't know. By the time the climax happened, I I don't know. the trans- His transformation into Candyman, I didn't... It didn't go the way I expected it to. Uh, but yeah, this is a pretty good sustained uh, sort of tense moment, which is obviously interrupted by the critic coming out of the bathroom. And she says, I'd leave it 10 minutes in there because I've... Sorry. Been saying Candyman. Yeah, been saying Do Candyman. Do we see her again? Apologies. No, she doesn't say it at all. She I think say in, the tra- in the trailer, she says it, but in this one, we doesn't. I, I completely forgot of a random bit of, bit of a random side plot where we see a young girl at the at the uh, sort of like a teenage girl at the art installation and then later on we see her at school i almost feel like that this movie could have done without that whole sub yeah does that, exist, that added, does that exist does that exist have some for body cam yeah i think so because it pretty yeah. like that one scene that comes it felt unnecessary and also of, i felt like kind of gives like, a cutaway in the third act but it, it kind of doubles the movie's body count it, it does, but also I felt like, oh, Candyman, he's got things on, you know what I mean? He's he's terrorising like, all these areas. He's got to like, zip around the world like bloody Santa Claus on Christmas Eve, delivering when if anyone says his name. Is it like the bat signal where he hears it? He's like, oh, for fuck's sake. Yeah. What? Yeah. <laughs> I think... where, where? Kuala Lumpur? Oh, for fuck's sake. Do you, do you think in the off. mirror dimension you can just teleport to any mirror or is the mirror dimension an entire world that you have to still travel around in real time? So has he got to go and catch a plane or has he just got to move around through reflective surfaces in real time? I reckon it's like Monsters, Inc., where instead of doors, mirrors, yeah. moving around, there's mirrors. Seen the mirror world in the Mighty Boosh. There's like 17 mirrors. Oh, yeah. You've got to pick the right mirror. Look yeah. at them shine. <laughs> Look at them shine. Look at them shine. Uh, so... Yeah, so those girls, uh, she dares them to say Candyman five times in the mirror. And then we see, we get a pretty cool glimpse, I will say, of um, basically they're getting slaughtered and we see like a reflection and we see Candyman kind of hovering across the yeah. bathroom. Yeah. I that... thought, ooh, that's pretty creepy. And there's yeah, like might... horror- horrendous sounds of like There might be a little gap between that, but yeah, you're right. And the floaty <laughs> legs was, was a new stylistic choice, right? That didn't happen in... I thought that, but then uh, my mate Dieter said, No, because he watched it the night before he watched this one. And I'm glad he did because there's I didn't realize how linked the films were going to be. Uh, but he he said there was like one scene where Tony Todd's like floating towards someone. We don't see his legs float, we just sort of I imagine he's on a skateboard or something. Uh, but like, so I think there is an element of that. But this film, really Tony Hawk, <laughs> Tony Hawk Todd. Um, so I, I think they just took that to the next 
step mm. really well not step obviously with this whole I'd... scene as well though with this with these teenagers you're right ben so like, this is someone who we saw in a throwaway vision in the um yard gallery scene i mean one of these girls says candyman six times because she says it once before they all start oh, yeah. saying it so she, yeah is it is it meant to just kind of be an example of uh, you the know, other idea, shredding, idea virus yeah exactly yeah so yeah. she's picked that up she's spread that to the school someone else is going to hear her talking about it and then this is going to yeah up because and... one of them escapes isn't it because one of the girls after they say Candyman a couple of times and then um oh, yeah, there's like a away. knock at the yeah. thing before the Candyman has been able to do the central locking she <laughs> goes nah I'm out and um so I'm guessing that I think is that you, it's just the uh, the spreading you, of the idea. You've got you've got a logical bit here that then you could assume if you're writing your own follow-ups to this that there is one character that escaped that scene that goes oh and we are playing like there is someone to tell that story of oh and then well there's someone else we you know because another student comes in and they're kind of bullying her because she's hungover apparently um, yeah and and she's locked in the cubicle the other time but. You say, look, this is a unusual scene because there's that absolutely fantastic stuff in the compact mirror with him floating, as you mentioned. But then the scene also suffers from the same, I don't know, the I guess the slightly more conservative approach in the early bit of the scene where literally, like... yeah. It's almost it's it's a little bloodless to begin with, right? Because one of the girls walks around the corner and you just see the books drop to the floor. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they see before it all really kicks off, a lot of it is done where a number of the girls are kind of looking through the cubicles and just seeing blood come down. Like it's yeah, a lot of off-shot stuff that happens when we're assuming these people get killed. And, the, you know, I sound, don't need to sound, see teenage girls slashed up, but yeah, the, the sound does a lot to, to help, though. I mean, it's um, this, some of the sounds are horrendous. Um, hmm. I just the, felt, I mean, I like, I liked some of it, but I just felt like it, it felt like it was from a different movie. I felt like it was like added in, just as a, I don't hmm. know, just so, just so we could see that moment in the trailer where there's like all of them saying Candyman in the mirror. Yeah. I feel like apart from that, it added nothing to the story and it felt a bit unnecessary. Um, so, so I think this is where they have the big fallout in the uh, she goes to see him. Yeah, Tony is like Tony has already sort of showed up. He's he ran out of the restaurant when they heard that the art critic had been slashed up. She just dies off camera, right? Well, no, because she dies, it pans out from her window. And then we, we see, see her like ragdolling around, ragdolling, yeah. and get like there's like a big bloody smear across the window as well. So, but yeah, again, that, it's not. It's, it's that. I like... thought I didn't miss it. I had to run for a wee, big coke. But um... <laughs> <laughs> but it's like every opportunity where it's like this could get pretty brutal. It always chooses to be a little bit timid with it. I don't know. I mean, I just found like it wasn't. Maybe it's because I'm a 35 year old man now and not an eight year old kid or whatever. But it's just not as primarily scary as the the first one it probably is the the 30 year difference you know, imagine you, you you were living you were watching the original Candyman in a world where you hadn't watched itchy the killer yeah like you haven't had an entire season of that filmmaker's films we were talking sorry i'm blanking on his name you hadn't watched the um you hadn't watched an entire season of 
Takashi Miike. Yeah, Takashi Miike, <laughs> like life-changing horror movies. Yeah, that's uh, true. That's true. So in many ways, like some of that is burnt out of you. There's a great deal of desensitization, I guess. You know, we are I mean speaking on the horror podcast almost 200 episodes in. You've seen a lot, maybe a take from someone who doesn't watch our I saw this on my own because Karen wouldn't come. She found the trailer too much. Yeah, I mean, I imagine it will be scary for a lot of people. I think towards the end of this film, there's a bit where I'm like, oh, that is quite Clive Barkery. I would say it has that flavor of Clive Barker, um, which is kind of grotesque. Like it's to the point where it's almost sickening, sort of what you're watching. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, for the most part, it wasn't. It didn't really have that Clive Barker yeah. sickness to it. So to bring us to plot then, like, mm-hmm. so Tony has. He ran out of the restaurant at that big meeting with the people from New York who were asking you know, the, the, the girlfriend to come to the, the, to the big city, not tiny cities like Chicago. Um, you know, oh, come, to, come to New York City. Um, he has run out of the room at, the, at learning that the art critic has been killed. And then we, you know, we... He we have this scene where she walks in and he's going mad to oh bloody hell. I've only summoned the candy man, haven't I? What are you talking about? Tells yeah. the tells the story. Um Troy, the brother, has some great lines of dialogue, just pointing out saying, Oh, it's a piece of shit. No um no 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 dick is good enough that uh, <laughs> that it's worth this madness. Um, so it's kind of fallen apart relationship-wise. The, the teenagers are doomed, and this is where Tony goes to see his mom, and we get the big reveal. Well, I think right. he goes. To, he goes to the hospital first. He finally has enough of his horrible, um, what looks like acid-dipped hand. Goes yeah. to the hospital to get checked out. Apparently, gets sorted out. I don't know what special cream they've got uh, there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they seem to go. You're fine. You're fine to go now. And then he immediately goes. So it's quite striking this look of him he's like in these overalls that he's been painting and he's been painting all these pictures which yeah. kind of rep- look like all the different iterations of Candyman. some look like tony todd some look like uh sherman some look like you know possibly him so he's walking around in his sort of like paint stained overalls and that's quite a striking image i think when he's sort of like walking, so too. yeah when he's walking sort of like misty eyed well like almost like zombified walking and his, he goes his to see- neck is starting to He's Warble. starting to, it's like, it's it's almost like the very, he's turning into honeycomb, right? So his skin yeah, is what's like that all flecked. Term, what's that term like you always see like people who are scared of the tiny holes? holes. Yeah. <laughs> I can't remember it, what it's called. But it's like they're trying so, to play into that. Tryptophobia or something tryptophobia. like that. Yeah. Trypophobia. Trypophobia. Yeah, yeah. The ty- Aversion to the sight of irregular patterns or clusters of small holes or bumps. Yeah, if you, have, if you have that, that's going to be getting you. But the cream hasn't worked at the hospital because it's getting worse. We give it's this a few more minutes, he's going to look like the 90s film version of Spawn if we're not very careful. <laughs> um, not a big yeah. CGI cape, just all Bernie. Um, so he is still not very well. He's on the way and sees his mom, and this is where we get the reveal that he was the he was the bye-bye that, uh, that Helen was going to wang in the fire. And we find out the truth of that story, right? Is it, is it here where it's like Helen actually saved him? Yeah. Um, and um, 
they decided to never mention it to him ever again or to keep him shielded. Um, and I think <clears throat> the idea the funniest being that... thing happened when you were a baby. Uh, let me tell the story. <laughs> let me tell the story. It's a funny story. <laughs> it's not. It's not a funny this, story. I guess this is why Helen was rejected from the Candyman League. She's at, and this is why she's the Sugar Woman. Yeah. If, if she actually yeah. saved him, she's like, oh, I don't want to be a Candyman. Because Tony Todd had eyed him up to be the next Candyman. Um, the baby as the Candyman. I got, I got the impression that, that was maybe what they were suggesting. Um, profiling because Tony he's Todd, been... isn't it? Just because he's a, just because he's also called Tony. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. But um, he'd been off the radar, off the grid, because they'd never spoken about Candyman. And now they've been looking into him. And someone has kind of, they say that someone has broken the pact. So obviously it's our friend from the laundromat who has kind of broken that word and brought the Candyman into his life. Do you, although I think it would mean a complete rewrite, do you think they should have not used Shermanator as a stand-in Candyman and just had Tony Todd being like, be my victim, be my Tony, be my Candyman? And just like... I think, unfortunately, like it kind of benefited from the finale and the reveal of another certain character and his intentions surrounding the Candyman legend that it was that there was someone else who had been the Candyman as well. Yeah, yeah that's what I think. It would have to be a yeah. complete rewrite because a lot of yeah, the logic yeah. of the story would, wouldn't make sense. Of course, anymore. yeah, yeah. But you kind of need many. Yeah, you're right. You kind of need several to do this. In to be, in fact, if it hadn't have cost them more in actors and makeup even without them being explained, you could have even done with some more visuals of other Doctor Who Candymans, you know, one where is David Tennant, one where he's... Yeah, I would have liked maybe some of that, like, um, but even if it was like, we just, it just wasn't Sherman all the time. <laughs> like, yeah. if it was like a different one, um, that would actually be pretty cool. If it was like uh, one from the 1850s, and then like he'd look in the reflection in one time, and it would be like a disco one, disco Candyman... <laughs> One where he's got like a Frankie a says relax futuristic Candyman or an eighties Candyman, a nineties Candyman, rave Candyman. But I mean, like it would introduce this. It would maybe further cement this idea that there's a lineage and like there's a lot of them. yeah. And they've all got and you can be you could be different. You could have had Christina Aguilera as one of them. Helen could have been there at one point. Helen, but after we just said Helen turned against her, she was the sugar lady. Yeah. Um, but it's always Sherman. Um, and that's fair enough. But so he goes to see his um, the laundry man. And yeah, the laundry man. The laundry man tells him. I can't remember. He tells him the Daniel Robitel story now. Yeah, he, so then he tells gives him the, the idea that story. there's been loads of us. There was a disco one, <laughs> Robo one, um, and he, the Daniel Robitel story. I think is is um, I don't know. It's kind of powerful. Like it really is cool as well when he's t- he's telling them about. It's like there's an artist who um, took the the fancy of the subject of his painting was the daughter of a wealthy something or other, like and a, then like a factory owner or something like that, right? Yeah, and then as a sort of the factory owner got really angry and set a load of men on him, uh, but said make it interesting or have fun with it or something like that, and they cut off his hand, stuck a meat hook in there. They covered his body in honey and let the bees sting him, and then they set him on fire. Which what is quite... a, yeah, what a like what a 
unfortunate for Daniel Robitel, but fortunate for that insane factory owner that he just happens to have commissioned loads of like installation artists to do the thing. <laughs> yeah. like, I can imagine that most people aren't that imaginative. It's like, oh, um, what are we doing oh, now? We're going to cover him in is, honey and let the bees sting him. We're going to punch and kick him. Like, this may we... not have actually happened though. So a lot of this I got the impression was that like it's the story you tell in your head that makes it real. We think that Sherman gave candy with uh, giant razors in them. So now we see Sherman giving uh, candies with razors in them. Like we we yeah. kind of build this kind of thing up in ahead and that's what kind of makes. So maybe he didn't, maybe he did get the hook in his hand and set on fire, but maybe they didn't pour honey on him and pour honey attack on him, him and with bees. bees. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. yeah. Would bees but, get you just for having honey on you? No, like... I don't think so. Because that's just, you're just covered in food, aren't you, at that point? That's my honey. Sting the Get shit him. out of you. Oh, I'm dead. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, it's that Winnie the Pooh. I've heard about him. Get him. And it's yeah. um um yeah, they so they 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 yeah, and it and it's told in a different way, right? Because it would have been impractical to do the flashbacks to it. Um so is this is where the they, shadow puppets. Yeah, it's done with the shadow puppets. Okay. For those on video, it's Ben has it behind him right now. Yeah. I have a bit of Candyman here, um, yeah. It's it's done. It's it's done nicely, and it isn't dwelled upon too long. But this is one of the nice touches that that captures the the original story and brings it up to there. Like I I don't remember this at all. Like I should have really looked it up before we came on there. Like it would have been cool if Sherman was one of the others as well. Like if you know the Sherman story was actually Candyman three, that would be great. But yeah, obviously, you yeah. can't rewrite the past. Um, yeah. Uh, so, when when about do we see the part when you see another flashback where it shows Sherman as a kid again, um, but this time the Candyman gets his sister and I guess oh, her yeah. friend as yeah. well, where they they're saying we're they doing a bloody we're an adult game. Yeah, You're a baby. Yeah. And they they oh, do yeah. the, they do the Candyman thing immediately get killed and obviously um, Sherman's not Sherman sorry um, William sees. Sees the bodies, but also sees Sherman in the reflection. So, like, he's again seeing impacted seeing. by this legend of Sherman. Although William is a conundrum in himself, which is like, let me come in. I'm not a baby. I can do this. She's, oh, you are a baby because if you don't let me in, I'm going to piss on your bed. He goes, yeah, babies piss the bed, William. Come on, <laughs> you're and playing. Guess, into I mean, who's going to be who's going to be washing that? Who's going to be taking that to the laundry? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, why would you do that? I'm going to shit on your bed as well. <laughs> do it. How dare you? Oh, clean. What are you doing here? Cleaning my own shit. <laughs> yeah. Um. So Brianna like comes back to get some stuff, but when Anthony's not there, she becomes a bit concerned because obviously last time she saw him, he was in a state of distress. She remembers um, Anthony saying that he'd heard the Candyman story from Burke, the guy at the laundromat. So she goes there. She goes to like Cabrini Green and goes looking for him but when she goes to the laundromat guess who's like locked a, the door gets like locked oh yeah it's old central locking candy man she yeah. gets locked in the back room and then suddenly burke appears and like grabs her subdues her and i guess knocks her out because the next time we see it she's waking up all tied up in the yeah. church in cabrini green in the church in cabrini green with all the graffiti uh what's spray painted on the wall is it well, there's some oh, words in there but yeah. candy man was here Candyman was were your <laughs> was yeah um, and Anthony. This this is what is annoying is that Anthony at this point from here 
where like it seems like he's getting somewhere he's doing all his research he things are starting to click together suddenly he's just off screen he becomes subdued by william and now he's like a passenger just like this, a puppet isn't he just sat there so yeah, obviously he's gone. Just... He's gone full candy man. Obviously, all of his all of his skin is sort of taken on this this, and his, his his eyes are sort of glazed over. He's in like a bit of a fugue state, because then William like starts doing some horrible stuff to him, and he doesn't even flinch. So he cuts his hand off. <laughs> See, this is the thing, though. Right? I think this is where it's a little bit of a disconnect, and maybe there's a subtlety that I've missed in watching this film, and maybe you guys have seen it, or maybe it is a flaw in it. I feel like I could live with him being in kind of a weird fugue state if now it was a Candyman, if it was the Shermanator doing this to him or there was more of a supernatural but it seems strange that he is a passenger when it is simply, you know, Doc Cotton, the, the laundromat worker that is chopping his hand off and whacking a hook in there. Yeah. Um, it seems strange that there's not a supernatural element to this transformation. It's literally just a normal man sawing his arm off remarkably quickly and and yeah. whacking a hook in there. Like it's, he's done it before. It's, it's weird. So he says, like, um, I think you, you put the hook in there. The idea, I think the plan is you put the hook in there, you make him look like a bit of a Candyman character, and then you get the police to shoot him. Or some, or get him to die in some in some horrendous way, and then they will talk about him um, and be like, "We killed the Candyman," uh, and they will kind of the legend will be alive again. You build but, into um, that legend, but he yeah, kills everyone. Right. Like he kills, there's no one talking about Candyman from that point. Um, it's, well, that that specific <laughs> that instance of Candyman, anyway. The Sherman one, I guess, is still knocking around. Yeah, it seems, I guess like those, it, it seems like that those instances of Candyman are one and the same. Now they all embody the same sort of specter, I guess. Yeah, we come we yeah. come to it though, and we do we do get that. But yeah, his plan basically is to you've kicked off the cycle again by telling this story. He knew that the baby that was in the Helen situation of the nineties would be drawn back there. And this whole cycle would begin anew and there'd be a new Candyman. You hear him make a phone call to the police saying, oh, it's that blooming artist. He's running around. He's got a hook. He's shouting about things. Okay, maybe that phone call quick. is enough to uh, kick, the flan- kick the flames of yeah. the legend mm. a bit more. I don't know. So that's, that's happening. And, you know, we do get some instruction at the very end when we see the old Double T. Um, but he is... Yeah, it, it, it all seems to happen very quickly here. Like, this all wraps up super, super quickly. So his hand has been chopped off, and it's happened. Um, and then William is... He kind of pursues and is stabbed to death, right? Well, yeah, so so it, she breaks out. She has, like, a little pen or something, and she uses that to run away into this really creepy tunnels underneath the church. We hear like a horrendous noise, like a cutting sound. And the next time we, and then in the darkness, he's been chased by William. The next time we see William, his mouth is completely covered in blood and he, we can't understand what he's saying. Like, I think, I think he's cut his tongue out or something's happened to his tongue. I think maybe uh, yeah. can, uh, Candyman cut his tongue out or something. But like, that's like one of those films that I'm thinking maybe that got cut out. You know because... what he's been doing, hasn't he? He's been thought, 
should have one of these sweets. No need to look at the package. <laughs> yeah. he's, he's had that one from Sherman. For I'm going to have one of these sweets to celebrate. <laughs> My plan finally <laughs> coming together. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a Sherman original and it's got the... Um... Sherman's original. Yeah. Actually, yeah. <laughs> So if you if you bite into a Werther's original, that butterscotch candy will make razor sharp shards if you if you don't oh, suck yeah. it, if you bite into it. So razor blade or not. So what he's done is he's got a standard Werther's, not one of the toffees, one of the hard ones. He's bitten oh, into, it, into it. And it but you but you suck them though nicely. Don't bite into them. Dangerous. They're yeah, Werther's original, but what's the what's the not original? There's a yeah, new Werther's. Werther's Nouveau. So original. Um, <laughs> yeah, like you get those toffee ones, don't you? So they're safer. But if you just bite those regular Werther's, that's what Sh- that's what William's done. He's uh, cut his tongue right off. He chases her through the tunnels and they come out in one of the houses and Cabrini Green. Um, and he's like, what? I was trying to say. <laughs> I was reminded of the Simpsons when they're making the breakfast and his tongue gets still caught in the beaters. Woofer! My partner put them in. Rookie <laughs> man. Um, and then, wait, so what happens to so Brian, she's, Brianna? She like stabs, stabs him, him with a pen in the eye, right? Right. And okay, then yeah. pretty much stabs him to death. Um, Anthony appears and says, "I think he's dead," but then it collapses into her arms from shock, I guess, from having his arm cut having off, his and arm having off, a yeah. meat hook jabbed in there. But obviously the police arrived, and this is what I was confused by. Obviously the police arrive, and they kind of immediately, from seeing him in the in the Candyman costume, immediately walk in and shoot him to death. I was just a bit confused because initially I thought they'd shot Brianna. Yeah, because yeah, she kind yeah. of like it's in the dark, I know, and she kind of pauses and puts her hands. And I imagine she... <sighs> again, and we're nitpicking here as well, but I think. Even the most corrupt and trigger happy police, would you shoot someone who is collapsed on the floor? Yeah, I mean, they've been pretty warned that, um, yeah, the candy man's knocking about, going mad. I mean, I'm like probably a bit scared already. Oh, this guy's killed loads of teenage girls and people, yeah. might be a bit trigger happy. He's but he's absolutely fucked at this point. I think you could be forgiven for walking in and thinking he was already dead. Then they shoot loads of rounds into him as well. Yeah, that's not just like a couple. Yeah, yeah, they're literally they're, they're firing, they're blazing away. But you know, for whatever the whatever the reason, I think you could have done something. Bearing in mind the creativity and the visual, the striking visuals that we get in some scenes of this movie, I think we could have got a more spectacular and a more, mm. you know putting the blame the, the shoulders and blame more realistically on the police's shoulders here than than it did when literally yeah, yeah. I think I think Anthony is off shot when you know he's he's in very like if he's on screen at all he's in the lower portions of the screen you know yeah. just sort of kind we of collapsed have, in his girlfriend's arms there but we could have had a moment where somehow Anthony managed to pull himself out of this fugue state briefly to save Brianna or help Brianna in some way and maybe at the very key moment where it seemed like he gets a hero's moment he's shot by police yeah yeah Yeah. that could that could have been more effective yeah you could have had him you could have had him finish off William like William could have come back for a classic like scream final final jump scare please see him killing William and go it's the killer 
And then yeah, they start. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I mean, maybe Mr. that's Blurry Candyman. Yeah. Watch out for sweets. Yeah. It could have. It could have been that. That could have been important in terms of perception, in terms of the police's perception, um, yeah. in the situation and regarding people of color. Then yeah, they would. Have, yeah. I feel like it would have worked. Would have so, worked well, they they cuffed Brianna, put her in the back of the car, and I think by this point, um, I don't know how I felt about this scene. To be perfectly honest, they were like the policeman is like. We'll do a deal with you. Use, I don't know. Candyman was was bad, and we shot him for a good reason. Or you were bad, and we we're going to yeah. Put you or in prison. basically, I think the policeman has realised that they've clearly discharged their weapons on a like a a, a injured or dying man already. So yeah. it's you know, like you okay. see in the news far too many times, I guess that the, you know, it's the it's the cover your ass mentality right of oh well you'll you'll clearly say that you're i mean this is like overtly corrupt police yeah but i think it was a bit i, I completely understand what it was trying to do and i understand that these things happen a lot in this mm-hmm. way or not it felt a bit heavy-handed for me in terms of yeah. the way that, that, that it was done but maybe it's just like the way this whole ending was done felt a bit heavy-handed so the fact that this was like an exclamation point on that ending I just yeah. find it all a bit. It's kind of it's kind of pushed for time. I think with with more time, you could have you could add some more subtlety to it because of the time they're left to work with. Basically, the policeman has to be quite overtly corrupt and terrible and racist to say, "Oh, you know, maybe you could agree with us that there was a dangerous Candyman here and we shot him yeah. completely naturally and no one was in the wrong," or. Um, you know, we could say you're his accomplice. Maybe you held people down while he while he chopped them up, and maybe you go to prison forever. Yeah. Um, so Brianna basically says, "Okay, I tell you what, let us see myself in the mirror, and then I will say whatever you want." Policeman goes, "Oh well, fair enough. Then here you go. Here's in the mirror." And she goes, "Candyman, what? Candyman? You saying Candyman? Candyman? Awesome. Just say it really quick. Yeah. Wait, can yeah, you can just go, true. whoa." <laughs> You nearly had me there. I know your game. Trying to candyman yeah. me. Yeah, I mean, so uh, so I think she only says it four times, but because he's quite near, he he hears it. He's like, oh, he, he's, it's enough to central lock that car. <laughs> he heard. Yeah, so he central locks <laughs> the car, um, yeah. and then he basically gets all the other policemen from the mirror dimension, and then he comes to the window and the last policeman gets out of the car runs into the alley and gets got as well probably I guess as over and as brutal as the movie has been throughout and maybe this is if it's not a a cutting thing from the studio maybe that is a deliberate choice after all to escalate the violence to the point we get in this final bit there and then um, you know, as scary as the being a hook wielding Candyman, there's loads of bees around him. No one wants that. End of yeah. summer, end of summer as it is, this is when wasps and bees are at their most dangerous. They'll be around to, the bins. Just trying to find a picture of like his final form, um, Anthony. And because I think it, I think it was pretty cool. Like he's completely covered in bees and he's hovering around and mm. he's got like a really sharp hook. Like his, his hook's quite his angle. That's the sharpest hook I've ever seen. I mean, uh, Tony Taz looks 
uh, more like a coat hanger kind of hook, mm-hmm. like a little bubble on the end of it. But this one looks like I don't know. Do you even get meat hooks that look that sharp? Yeah, I don't know. Pretty gruesome. Um, but yeah, Piers is so Tony Todd, and he helps with this. I guess the the final button on the movie is he appears as Tony Todd. Nice cameo from the man himself. Um, oh, and it's he the says, first oh. time we hear his voice in that in that echoey way. Mm-hmm. He thinks he's in the car, and we hear Anthony speaks in the echoey voice. I think it sounded great. I as he's like walking, a lot more of that. as he's walking around the car, isn't it? Yeah. That's that's the Candyman flavor. And we, we see, we see as he's walking around the car. In terms of the reflections, we see all the different versions of Candyman as well as he passes each yeah. window. Ah, you see, yeah. you see all of them. You see Tony Todd to finish, and he goes, "Hey, um, opposite to Fight Club, I guess. Tell everyone, <laughs> yeah, or maybe <laughs> they only one rule of Candy Club. Yeah, tell everyone, everyone about Candy's Candy Club." I um, weirdly talking. I mean, we'll get to the ratings in a sec, but weirdly talking about it is actually kind of. Well, I, don't know, I think I'm seeing it in a bit of a better light. But yeah. before that, name game. You guys yes. ready? Oh, yes. Okay. So this is the film I saw. You say this guy's name five times in the mirror uh, when you've got like a dodgy light bulb that needs changing or an IKEA desk that needs building. Any ideas what that one's called? Handyman. 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 Say this five times in the mirror when you're in need of a fireman or maybe a good dad type or someone with a traditionally man-like qualities, whatever that means in today's day and age. Oh. Fireman type. F- father figure man. <laughs> well, like a kind of... I mean, it could be, you could have a, a moustache, like burly kind of guy, probably some muscles. <laughs> uh, he probably cuts wood. He's um, you know, a very he's a man's man, you could say. Manly man. Manly man. Manly man. <laughs> uh, say this five times in a mirror when you've run out of pants and you need your grandmother to appear and give you a fresh pair. Oh. Grand uh Grandy Granny man. pants. <laughs> Granny Panty pants? Grand. Panty <laughs> grand. <laughs> yeah. Good. Say this five times in a mirror when you need when you need the power and you need it to arrive in advance. So, I don't know if you're going to get this. You need, you need the power. And when I say the power, I mean uh, like the power of Grayskull. And you need it to arrive in a van. Van, van He-Man. Van He-Man. Say <laughs> <laughs> this five times in the mirror when you need a certain Mr. Conduit Turner. Oh, when a certain Mr. Conduit Turner is looking a little pale. Uh, uh, Andy Tan. Andy Tan. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you guys have you guys have met around looking a little pale most of the time. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, well, you just need to say Andy Tan five times in the mirror and yeah, get that lovely healthy glow. Um, five times, no more. <laughs> yeah, that, oh, you'll burn. If, you'll if you say if you say if you say it six times, does that cancel it? Is that like no, a it's cancel? like Ross in Friends when he gets five blasts uh, of, the, yeah, yeah. <laughs> of the fake ten. Yeah. Um, um, all right, so we need to rate the film. I am. I don't know where I'm going to go with this now. <laughs> I just say I was going to go for a C plus. I was like, uh, I don't know. You know was... what's one step up from a C plus, Luke? <laughs> I don't know. The more we're talking about the uh, the legacy aspect of it, 
that that kind of stuff I think is really interesting and quite meaty. But I don't know if I really enjoyed the actual watching experience all that much. But I could have just been tired. Who knows? Mm. Yeah. I'm kind of sitting on a B now. Are you? Get up then. Don't squash it. <laughs> don't get stung. Don't get stung get them, the arse. Get them, get them ants to take it away. Yeah, don't get stung. You bumble go. Oh, me arse! And then you get, you get your arse. You'll start turning into Candyman, but arse first. So your arse will start turning into a horrible <laughs> Tony dead Tony amazing buttocks. Ooh. Yeah. And you're peeling scabs <laughs> off of it. And then you go to, have to go to that hospital and say, anything you could do for my arse? Yeah, but it's rotten. Great. What have you been doing? <laughs> Turning into the candy man. Turning into Anthony. A, li- a librarian just like floated in my arse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm going to go with a B. I think, I think I'm, I'm going to go with a B as well. And I think it would have been a lot higher because i was really enjoying it um up into what felt like a really rushed and almost i don't want to say nonsensical because it wasn't nonsensical but a really rushed and somewhat baffling ending i completely mm-hmm. understand what they were going for in terms of the of the discussion they're trying to have and you know that we're trying to invo- invoke certain feelings and in terms of um but yeah, I was just frustrated by the way it panned out and the fact that Anthony McCoy, a very interesting character who'd gone through a very interesting transition throughout the film, was reduced to be nothing more than a passenger for the finale. And a character, William Burke, who was a throw, a bit of a throwaway character, suddenly becoming like the main antagonist. I didn't quite believe it. And yeah. So only only a B for me. It could it could have been much more if it had a better ending. Yeah, yeah. Come on, Andy. That wrong with a B. Well, I didn't have the same stigma about it as you guys. I'm going to go for a B minus on this one. Um, nothing too much to nothing too much to add. Three Bs though, which is very on brand for the candy man. Um, the hive. So <laughs> full hive of bees. Um, so a hive full of bees of this one for me, just because. Much the same as Ben, I think I really enjoyed some elements of the film. I think it is an absolute masterclass in taking all of the pieces of a series and finding a way to bring it to a modern audience and bring those bits forward. I think that's great. Um, They've done some really good work with it. They've made it relevant. They've brought it back and they've added in some really interesting commentaries and discussions to be had of this I think for people studying film there are some great discussions to be had there are great essays to be written there are great articles to be had from this and there are some great horror moments in there as we mentioned as well there is some fantastic work if you look at the effect and the mirrors and there's some great little um little visual tricks there and I think Luke, as you mentioned as well, like seeing Sherman in the background there as well. I think if I do sit down and watch this again, there are probably some subtleties and some little touches of terror that I've that I've missed. You know, it'll be um, Hill House all over again where there's ghosts and little whispers of things that you didn't quite catch. Yeah. But the downside to it is there are elements of the execution, I think for me, that stop it from ascending to you know, the very top of the piles where you get into your high Bs and your A's. Yeah. Um, just little elements of consistency, like 
the same issue with Ben that I think uh, I think there is a sudden rush to wrap this up, and rightly so. A two-hour horror film can feel a bit too long, um, but I think giving that little bit more agency to the character at the end, just a little bit of the positioning, just to make some of the logic points really hit, and I think just some of that consistency in the character portrayal as well. I think even when you're killing a character off you can give them a little bit more nuance. So like, I keep coming back to this art dealer. I would have been perfectly happy to dislike him after one or two incident, incidents of him being a dick. I don't need to make him entirely irredeemable and almost like pantomime-ish in, in a way to get rid of him. I think there's, there is some more subtlety that you could do that to bring it slightly more in line with the great work that's done with some of the other characters in the movie. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah, but but by and large, I don't think I'll watch this again quickly. I mean, it's a, it's a cinema release. If it was something that was just on demand, maybe I would watch it again in shorter order just to try and take in the extra bits. Um, when it turns up on streaming again in however many months, maybe I'll watch it then, but I don't think I'll go for a second run at the cinema on this one. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, 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 there's interesting things enough. If I have a little break, I would be interested to see it again and see how it sits when it's a little bit more digested. Yeah. Cool. So uh, we'll go for B, B minus. B, B minus and a B. Whole hive. Cool. B, 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 B. Yeah. Cool. Um, so thanks for listening. I think this episode's been a, a long one. I think maybe a couple of hours or something. I'm not too sure. But <laughs> but I'm pleased uh, to say that we got onto the horror topics really quick. So the length of it is all full content. Yeah. Uh, what are we doing next week? Now is it malignant? Uh, not yet, is it? No, no. Sliver next week. So oh. after 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 the James Gunn Suicide Squad, that's what is we it, give. It, and James Gunn. Suicide Squad, I think. Oh yeah, we I think you probably will have to watch Suicide Squad, Andy, because I think we won't. We'll have to bring it up at times. Yeah, I will. Slither. I will watch Slither, and I will have watched Suicide Squad before we, before we get to it as well. <laughs> uh, no pressure at all. Um, but yeah, if you enjoyed the show, you can become a patron over patreon.com forward slash Hawk and Cleaver. Thanks to Kovac Kalman for our theme music. Thanks to Acast for hosting the show. Thanks to the listeners. If you enjoyed the show, please consider rating and reviewing, and we may read it out on live on air. Um, and remember to hit subscribe and join the Facebook group Horror Hangout Board of Advisors. We're going to be doing a um, uh, what do you call it? Like a poll. We're going to be doing a poll to see what film we're going to be watching at the end of the month. Is that right? Did I say that? I think we might have right to way? do a poll. We have to do a poll for October now. So. Yeah. For slight, yeah, slight look, yeah, right. slight look behind the curtain. We will need to do the vote this month for next month because poor Ben has to draw each of these covers. Come on, yeah. guys, give him a rest. So we'll put a vote up pretty soon and then yeah. vote on it and you get to choose one of the films that we will cover in October, possibly for episode 200. Who knows? But sometime, yeah. come on. We're going to try yeah. and plan something extra special for episode 200. Who knows what that will be? It might just be us with a cake. Who knows? We've eaten 200 tiny volivons <laughs> between us. It's so about 30 each. So, yeah. you know. 
It'll be all yeah. right. We'll be all right. Cool. Uh, I think that's it. Thanks for being right, hard dudes. Oh, nice uh, follow Andy at AndyCTWrites on Twitter. Follow Ben at Ben underscore Errington. Correct. Cool. And follow me at Luke of Condor, K O N D O R. Awesome. 100%. Nice work. 100%. <laughs> okay, nice one. Right, See you next week. Everyone. See you later. Bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.